Well, greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday night at BBS Radio Station One. So we're grateful that you join us here this evening. And let's take a few moments to go into that heart space. So breathe into your nose or out through your mouth. Just breathe. <laughs> Whatever breathing protocol you want to do, slowly and gently. Take a few breaths. And go into that heart space. Let go of that dross of the day. Gather with your guides and guardians, your totems, your ancestors, your spirit teams and healing teams, whoever you'd like to join with that king you drum with. And I hear that calling drum. So there's a campfire. It's in the center. So let us gather around that council fire in that virtual way we know how to do. In that perfect circle. <laughs> and uh, let's call in those seven direct- galactic directions in the Mayan tradition. Welcome from the east, house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we may see everything clearly. We greet from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. We welcome from the West, the House of Transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. And we greet from the south, the house of the eternal sun. May right action give us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of planetary being. We welcome from above the house of paradise where the star people and the ancestors gather 
May their blessings reach us now. Welcome from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Ayam Naku Ivamaya Imaho. Ayam Naku Ivamaya Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. In Lakash Alakin, I am another you, you are another me. So let's take a few moments to stay wherever that drumbeat took you as we look at the mind record of days for today and for the week ahead. And today is a portal day. The red lunar earth is the day. There was the two Kaban. And the key words for earth, Kaban, evolution, synchronicity, and navigation. In the lunar tone, the second tone, key words, stabilize, challenge, and polarize. So here's the mantra for today. I polarize in order to evolve, stabilizing synchronicity. I seal the matrix of navigation with the lunar tone of challenge. I am guided by the power of universal water. I am a galactic activation portal. Enter me. So this day is guided by the red moon. And we're still in that new moon energy. So that's just perfect for this day. And the occult power today is the yellow seed. The ally for today is the white wind. And the challenge today is the blue hand. So we're working with those energies on this day, and the occult cycle is in this last segment of the day, from 6 to midnight. Uh, so let's work with that that occult energy of the Yellow Sea as we do our work this evening. And then moving on to Saturday. Well, let's look at that um, energy a little bit more for come on the earth and it's a healing aspect so we're working with as being that keeper of the earth and 
and having that awareness of earth energy. That we're tuned in and we're embracing these gifts of that access to planetary harmony. And this being a portal day just brings that into all the dimensions. And so we have the whole earth in the circle of support at this time and all the beings on the earth. Um, <clears throat> so we, as we are that balance and forward, we are working with our intuition. We're working with that access to extra dimensionality. We're embracing our gifts. And we're letting go of any separation or any failure to read the signs or any dissociation that might want to creep in or <laughs> intrude upon us. So, yeah, we're working with everything. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. And then moving on to Saturday, it's a three at knob, which is the white electric mirror. That electric tone is that activation point where we begin, <clears throat> we're moving. <laughs> it's that three tone. So we're, it's energy. So let's embrace this warrior aspect of the etnob, the mirror. As we work on our groundedness and that wise use of honesty and self-understanding, we embrace these gifts of scrying the unseen, that gift of fluidity and persistence in the mirror. So, let's let go of any illusions of separateness, any fear, any abandonment issues as we embrace these energies on Saturday. And then moving on to Sunday, it's the four clock. And the clock is the storm, so it's the blue self-existing storm. The storm is a visionary aspect, and we do have storms going on. <laughs> especially in California. Uh, so let's work with our creating uh, transformation for others and lighting clear thought as we work with this storm energy. We embrace these gifts of possibility of freedom and the power of catalyzing. So let's go, let go of any addiction to crisis or despair or fear as we embrace these energies on Sunday. And then moving on to Monday, it's a five of how we complete the union, and we are in the wave of key the warrior. So, um, yeah, in this overtone, five tone is uh, a harmonic and activation of, of everything. <laughs> so let's embrace this healing aspect that the sun brings us, this, this rise to Christ consciousness and striving towards wholeness. We transmit energy to others. So let's embrace the gifts of the possibility of thinking, unconditional love, the God self. If we let go of any limitation or separation, we embrace these energies on Monday. And then moving on to Tuesday, we begin a new union. And <clears throat> so we have a six in each. On Tuesday, the Red Rhythmic Dragon, and this is a, this is the first solar glyph, and it is uh, describing a new beginning, and, it, and it's an artist aspect. So we're working with creation. We're working with self-dependence. 
we're trusting in the universe and we're working with clarity of mind and beginner's mind as we begin this new union with some bracey's gifts of being that source of creation in the beginning and let go of any illusion of lack of support. And so then on Wednesday, we have the, the white resonant mirror. So we have that seven tone, that top of the mountain, that magical seven. <laughs> We're using it. We're using that with this visionary aspect of the wind. So it's about co-creation of heaven on earth and truth in all matters and remembering our unity with spirit. So, on Wednesday, let's embrace the gift of having that voice of spirit and spirit working through us as we let go of any judgment of others or any secretiveness. And then on Thursday, it's another portal day, and it is the <clears throat> blue galactic night. So, we have that galactic tone, that harmonics, that octave, and... Uh, so that's that creation point. So let's work with this artist aspect as we participate and, and have belief in our abundance and we learn from our dream time with this night energy. And we embrace these gifts with of having that protection of the night and being the mystery of life. So let's let go of any self-judgment or any withdrawal as we embrace these energies on Thursday. And then Friday when we come back, it's the nine con, the yellow soil seed. That seed energy is a healing aspect. And it's about working with our openness to life and our self-determination. Um, and working with seeking harmony and, and working with timing. Seed teaches it so much and holds the universe in itself. So let's embrace these gifts of possibility and that potential creation. As we let go of any stagnation, any lack of self-confidence, or any hesitation or lack of trust, we embrace these energies on Friday, and we'll talk about it some more. It's that good solar tone of the nine, more activation, um, <clears throat> manifesting what we need to manifest. So lots of potential for this day and we'll talk about it more next Friday when we get to it and so let's um let's change our attention now to the housekeeping I'll change my hat as we are listener supported radio program it's each of us that make it happen and this week we <clears throat> we need money for uh, BBS radio we got we got most of it we just need the other half of it. <laughs> so each week we need $277.75 this month. And for today, um, and it's due Monday, we need $135.57. So that's what we're required to stay caught up and make sure we pay our bills in a timely way on Monday. So... Go to your heart space, see what is yours to give, and go to bbsradio.com. And there, um, on the home page, you'll see the schedule for the radio station one and two. 
Welcome to Station One for this program and for last night's program uh, on Thursday, the, the night at the round table with the panel. So in, as you look on the menu, you see that listed at the 8 o'clock hour, p.m., and that's Central Time. So see the icon there for our program for Thursday the night at the round table and for this program, the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Roma. Click on the icon that takes you directly to our account where you can make a donation in any amount. So every little bit helps. Thank you for your participation. We're grateful. We're grateful for your attention matter as well. Lots of gratitude. And um, yeah, what else? That's it. So we're doing great. I want to give my thanks to all of you for all your participation each week and for how we keep up with our bills and keep up with taking care of the needs that Tara and Roma have. So, um, lots of, lots of gratitude. So let's talk about Tara and Rama, what they need. They need, we have a Geico bill due on Wednesday. It's $104.29. And that's the only other bill this week. And they need $200 for their living expenses. So just a hair over $300, like five, like five, $305, we'll, they'll be in good shape for the week. So thank you for taking that action and making sure that they're getting what they need. And here's how we make a donation to Tara and Rama. You want to access the PayPal account. And you'll find that link for that on the updates, and you'll also find the link uh, on the website. So the web address is rainbowroundtable.net, and there's a menu grid on the home page. Click on that, and you'll see a donate button link right near the bottom of that list. It's a long list. There's a lot on that site, so it's a um, good place to go and check out. So if you click, click on that link, that'll take you directly to Rama's PayPal account where you can make your donation in any amount using your bank card. And if you want to access the friends option and eliminate the commercial charges with that, as we are friends and family here, uh, you do that by entering the email there for that account. And that email address is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And... Uh, so there you go. Either way is perfect. We're grateful for your contributions. And as you are con- contributing, please send Rama an email and let him know what you sent and when you sent it. And that email for communicating with Rama is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999 at Comcast.net. So that's for communicating what you did. <laughs> so thank you for taking that action. And as you need it, the mailing address is Ram D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D, Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Post Office Box 280280, and that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, where the zip is 87567. And I'll say that again, Post Office Box 280. Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking that action. Uh, 13 thank yous, honey, in the heart. 
and I'm going to pass this talking stick. And what has it got on it today? Ooh, Excalibur, Sword of Truth, and lots of dragons and unicorns. A whole ton of birds and all kinds of birds, feathered friends. And and um, and the eagle is there, and the, the high-flying ones. And I, I see push shots all over the place, and... I'm stick with all the little people that can fit on the stick, the elves and dwarves and menahunis and the gnomes, and here it comes. Greetings, Tara and Roma. Here comes that talking stick. Welcome. Quest of Hollow's on there. With that sort of truth. What's on there, Rainbow? Quest of Quarrel. When the sword in Excalibur. What was that first one? I heard Excalibur, but what was the first one again? Quest of Quarrel. Oh, Quetzalcoatl. The feathered one. Serpent's feathered one. The emerald the serpent. serpent one. <laughs> oh, another name is Tanaka Kumara. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, all those things we learned along the road, the good red road, right, Rainbow? <laughs> right, that good red road. <sighs> um, well, that leads into something. Uh, we've gotten a number of emails just overwrought with what kind of killings going on, you know, and that... Where Where is the light? Where do we need it? That kind of thing. And we're being tested to the max. That's, I, I, I know the intervention is being done, yet it doesn't look that way. And this directed energy weapon is being used all over the planet to murder people everywhere. And... Uh, I guess we'll have a little chat with Mother tonight about the whole story, won't we, Rob? Yes, it's a very big story, and I could say that we're at the end end of it because all the stories lead back to what happened 26,826 years ago. Nibiru, Maldek, all the stories, and uh, it is a big deal because it's about love. It's not about violence. That's what got us into the mess in the first place. And um, there are gaps in my memory about, you know, what, may have happened and who did what with whom or what to whom yet you know the collective trauma that has been going on for how many thousands of years and like Greg Braden keeps bringing in something has to change and it's happening right now and I would say it's 
it's what's going on with the sun and it, the sun behind the sun, all the way up to the Hunabku, the super galactic center, and I call it the force, because the light has one, yet at the same time, 26,000 years of trauma is not a small deal, and blaze the violet fire is what I gotta say, because I've seen stuff, many folks have seen stuff around the planet all these years, eons of time, and how many ways to Sunday to talk about this. And right at this time, what is it? 16, 17, 18, Harmonic Convergence, Woodstock, and um, it is about love, and it's deeper than the words I know how to describe, yet forgiveness, even in the face of... Um, what's happening I have to say there are many convoluted threads to the stuff going on on the planet and um, it, it is a big deal and Lord Michael knows a lot more about this. He is planetary prince of this local universe called Nevadon. That is a really big deal. And he comes with Ashtar and the legions upon legions I keep talking about. And I don't know why things haven't happened in the way we may have wanted them to happen. They they know what to do and this is about us changing this whole story. It begins with us and I'll just say it's about ending the war in here, in the heart. And um, what happened on Maldek affected the whole solar system, the asteroid belt, and even to this day, there are still pieces of this story that have not fit together. And it directly relates to what's going on right now with climate disruption, consciousness being raised in conflict, and it's larger than I know how to talk about. I passed the talking stick. Yeah, there's more violence happening now than ever in terms of people picking up guns. I'm just at their wits end and using it and war is never the answer and no. killing is never the solution 
and we've been promised yet um, you might say um, they always say at the same time no dates mm-hmm there's a larger um, story of this completion cycle and there's so many things on so many levels going on in so many countries all over the world simultaneously and the how of each of the individual things going on and how the people in that neighborhood wherever it is on the planet are dealing with it and bringing together a collective mind and a collective heart of how to do whatever these separate individual crises are uh, you know and 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 to collectively work together without violence and it's very challenging And I just got to make it surely that you understand Oprah Winfrey has not done anything to harm children ever. That's a complete trail of intentional misinformation about a person such as she, which is very difficult. Yeah, this is a deeper story than... I know how to cover because it involves the 13 families and this story that goes back to Nibiru and the power of love and compassion and the higher wisdom to work with the energies rather than lock and load. It doesn't solve anything. It just creates more samsara. And we're getting off the wheel of karma. And dharma, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. And the other thing, Rama, isn't it that there's a simulcast. Nasara gets enacted simultaneously with a declaration of world peace. Yeah. That's pretty overwhelming to see. And and do right now. I I have to say that you know Dr. Greer has warned us about these things that they're gonna push the river right to the nth degree, and then something they want to break our spirit. That's what they want. Yeah, and fear is the biggest way to break your spirit, and. I don't know how to speak about the folks that have gone over the rainbow and as they choose at this time, they can come back. I would just say that they can tell their stories. There are dimensions changing faster than I even know how to speak about because reality ain't what it used to be. We ain't in Kansas anymore. And the outer zone, Oz, is a story that has many layers. And I could just say, I have seen so many different folks 
in the galactic councils and in my travels and it is about love it's not about war I passed the talking stick yeah I'm going to read this for everyone and then we'll play something called the power of light that's Aurora Ray right yeah um, but let's read this. This is from Rama, uh, the message for today, Friday the 8th month of uh, uh, being August and the 18th day, this Friday, 2023. I did not talk to anyone today. Yet at 12.10 p.m. early this afternoon, I was near Sun Mountain right at its base I went and sat excuse me I went you went off the road and onto the grass yeah I went off the the road and walked and it was you know a good 10 minutes that I walked and then you went to the grass area and you set up your crystals in a spiral formation formation I started spinning my crystals and calling in all the beings, known and unknown, that work with the office of the Christ. My eyes were closed, and I was really getting into this. I was seeing the rays of light coming out of my crystals with my eyes closed. Then I noticed a tugging at my right arm. So I opened my eyes. And I found that I was surrounded by 15 deer and six crows who seemed to come out of nowhere in no no time. One of the deer licked my hand. I looked into her eyes and she looked sad. The telepathic message I received from them was that we are grieving with you for all of the um, for all of the people that have recently gone over the rainbow many 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 we have no no clue as Rama was told today that this weapon has been deployed all over the world and there are probably millions of people that are being killed right now. And we can tell you, and I, as the only saving grace I see is that they can come back, right? I'm not, it's not necessarily when we think they're going to come back, they, they decide. And that doesn't mean that they will decide to come back here. They also have options to do other things. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that that option clearly is available for them to come back right in the same body completely well as if nothing had injured them or killed them at all. And fully rejuvenated. So um, we can tell you that the fires in Lahaina were not 
natural, as most of you already know. Then the deer sent me a picture in my in my mind. It was six reptilians in a war room. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. They were looking extremely anxious. The deer said telepathically to me, send them in particular more love. That is your task, sir. So I focused on my heart chakra, my third eye, and my crown chakra. And I sent out a beam of white fire core of being light. Then I opened my eyes and I saw these beings disappear in the twinkling of an eye. What I am being told now is for all of us to stay in our high heart and send more love. And I'm just adding that we have the power here to completely bring this to a peaceful conclusion. And we are also being asked to live it and exude more love than you ever thought you had. Mm -hmm. And know that more comes every time that you require it to come. Seek and we shall find, knock the door shall be opened, and ask and it shall be given. What are we talking about? We're talking about love. Satnam, namaste, blaze the violet fire. May peace prevail on earth. Okay, so what else? <coughs> Let's do that. How many minutes? Just do it. Let's just do it. Okay. Tell everybody what it's called. And the Enlightened subject. wisdom, the alchemy of information within light. This is Aurora Ray. How many minutes? Five minutes, 32. Seconds. Okay. Power of Light. Light is source information for you. It uplifts you like the warm sun on a cold day of winter because once you are informed, you feel more powerful. When you are not uninformed, you feel powerless. And without your inner power, change cannot be obtained. Waves like sound or magnetic fields are another way to carry information because it is part of the light. When you're so centered in your 3D reality, and your senses mislead you, it may seem that sound and light are two separate things because you perceive light with your eyes and sound with your ears. It's only because you use two separate areas of perception on your body that sound and light also seem separated. In fact, they are much more connected than you would expect. Please take a minute to think that, in some way, every wave works for enlightenment because they carry information. And it is through specific information that you activate your DNA and start the ascension process. Many structures built on this planet, particularly ancient sacred sites, have information stored within the stone. 
In the same way, you have cosmic data stored within the bones of your skeletal form. When you allow sacred waves, like specific frequencies of sound, to move through you, it unlocks a doorway. It allows information to flood into your body. It also penetrates the ground, affecting the vibrations of Earth and allowing a rearrangement of a molecular alignment of information to take place. Those of you who use sound and resonance when you are working on others' bodies, bring about a rearrangement of the molecular structure and create an opening for information to flood in. With time, this kind of work will become more profound and indispensable. In Tibet, when a master transcended realities and passed over, the body was kept and allowed to deteriorate because they knew the skeletal form would hold sensibility to specific frequencies. All the information from this life would be stored in those bones. That's why in some sacred places on earth, where the lines of divine teachings can be traced back thousands of years, people have kept the skulls of the masters of the past. They have very secret crypts and rooms filled with these skulls. When one walks into these places, one can access the intelligence factors of the humans who once occupied that space at another time by tuning to specific frequencies. Do you understand now why crystal skulls were designed? Crystalline structures are like quantic computers. They can store and transmit tremendous information, and they were designed in the shape of skulls so we could understand, once and for all, that we carry all the universe's information in our bodies. Many people think that, in ancient Egypt, the ankh was a symbol that represented life when, in fact, it was used, among other uses, as a frequency modulator. It was utilized by individuals who were masters of keeping frequencies and could do mighty things. With this new information, we are trying to encourage you to become a master of change. If our ancient civilizations knew about the power of divine frequencies and waves, such as the infinite energy of magnetic fields, undoubtedly, as the incredible beings that we are, we'll be able to harness the force of life and use it to build a new reality. Be informed, be powerful, and keep a high frequency everywhere you go. Learn how to modulate your frequency, which will substantially impact your whole body. Your molecules and cells will rearrange and start to build a new reality. And once you achieve inner change, outer reality will follow. As humankind, once exposed to the information that enlightenment brings, you will be given abilities you would have never imagined were attainable by humans. And if all of us work together and tune into those frequencies as one, you will be shown what you can do and have everything without even knowing you can do it. The dawn of a new world is coming. The golden age of Earth is about to start. Get yourself centered, clear your mind, and allow the sacred frequencies to flood and come through you. Through them, Source will offer you all the information and guidance you need at this time for this beautiful process of ascension. And remember, divine intelligence is always at work. Ascension is only a matter of listening to the information it offers us in the shape of light, in the form of love. You are not alone. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. We are the Galactic Federation. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, Ambassador of the Galactic Federation.
that went really fast. Mm. Yet the power of the message is, and I'm just, we've been saying this for years, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And, you know, the gathering is here. The gathering of the one beingness of our conscious minds, no matter where we are in the world or on other worlds. And that uh, specifically, they're, they're telling us that we have the power now to do this collectively. Uh, in the past, it's always been thinking that another master will come in and save the day. What do you want to say about that, Rama? Uh, I would say we got to take a look in the mirror because that's what I'm being told in no uncertain terms. Well, how could we have prevented what they did in Lahaina? Um, Just for an example. I think it's about taking these folks into... Uh, a containment field and the galactics know how to do that and I'm uh, well they would have done it if they wanted to do that if they could I mean they never yeah. I don't think so Ron. I think they want more than ever before for the collective mind and hearts of all of us to courageously confront the elites yeah, it, 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 it is about holding the slave masters accountable. Yeah, it, but we can't do it by just having them be labeled as very dark beings because that's not going to change them. No. They'll just live up to whatever you label them as. Yes. This is where compassion comes in and Souls make choices, and I only speak for myself in the sense that souls make choices, and we have free will choice in this realm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still saying that you're still talking about individual souls, and I don't hear that. I'm hearing that we align more strongly as a collective mind and a collective heart, and that we address the evils. You know, I know I remember certain things like, be gone, Satan. Or, but, but rather than identify the person as the Satan, <laughs> Satan is just a possession, possession of the soul that is not them. So, in order to make that come true we treat every single soul as the master soul they are and then call to it and the energy of the darkness around that soul of course the first thing we got to know is that they ask somehow that you catch on to what that they want to help and sometimes it's not that easy to identify because there are circumstances going on around the individuals that are 
they're not going to be able to put it into words directly to you, but you're going to pick it up at a level of the heart, and then you're going to call in the help that you might need, both ground crew and off the ground help, to free. And Dahani told me this, Dahani Yahoo, quite a long time ago, she said, there are some souls that do not want help, do not get in their way with their choices. Yes, in other words, they want to go through something that doesn't make sense to somebody else. But we send them all the love and support toward them to take the steps that they choose to take. But we got to take a, a quick break right now, so... We're going to say that, Rama, what's the phone numbers for the conference call? Oh, um, 720-716-7301, and the PIN code is 353-863-POUND. All right, everybody, see you on the conference. We're going to go there now. Here we go, and we'll be right back here at BBS Radio at the top of the following hour. Satnam, see you on the conference, everyone.
Precious Heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. August 15th is celebrated throughout the world as Mother Mary's Ascension Day. This selfless being of light is known through all creation as the keeper of the Madonna Blue and White Flame 
of the Immaculate Concept. The Immaculate Concept is the original divine blueprint for every particle and wave of life that was ever breathed forth from the heart of our Father, Mother, God. We are in the midst of the 37th Annual World Congress on Illumination. And today, Mother Mary is empowering the I Am presence of every son and daughter of God embodied on earth to assist us in fully comprehending the will of God for this cosmic moment. At this time, we are experiencing an unprecedented facet of Earth's ascension process. Everyone is wondering about the challenge people are going through and when we will get back to normal. The truth is that this facet of the divine plan is being co-created through the free will choices that people are making day by day. Our choices are determining how our present situations will evolve and what life will be like when we complete this process. Not even the company of heaven knows exactly how this phase of humanity's ascension process will be brought to fruition. The one thing our Father, Mother, God have assured us is that nothing is going back to what we used to think of as normal. The obsolete paradigms based on greed, corruption, and the abuse of power are being exposed and dismantled. No matter how hard the old guard and the abusers struggle to hold on to the status quo, they will ultimately fail. There is an awakening taking place within the consciousness of the masses of humanity. People everywhere are realizing that they are sons and daughters of God and that all our Father, Mother, God have is humanity's divine birthright. Every day, the individual and collective free will choices people are making are determining how long this process will take and whether we will bring this facet of our divine plan to fruition the easy way or the hard way. But either way, the company of heaven wants us to know that Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her are moving forward in the light and there is no turning back. So what does it mean when we are told that we can do this the easy way or the hard way? Well, that is the difficult part. This experience is unfolding in perfect alignment with each person's divine plan. And no two people have the exact same divine plan. Only our I am presence knows what the easy way of handling the challenges surfacing in our lives truly is. 
fortunately, as we awaken, we are able to hear the inner guidance of our I am presence far more clearly. This allows us to intuitively know what the immaculate concept of our divine plan is in each situation. This intuitive inner knowing will become obvious if we enter the divinity of our heart flame and ask our I am presence to reveal to us the immaculate concept of God's will in every situation we face. During this accelerated cosmic moment, we can greatly enhance this open heart and mind intuitive communication with our I am presence by invoking God's will. No matter what our individual divine plan is, it will always be in alignment with God's will, which is the perpetual motivation of every person's I am presence. Today, Mother Mary will lead us through a powerful invocation during which our I am presences individually and collectively will assist us to fully comprehend the immaculate concept of the will of God for this cosmic moment. If you have the heart call to participate in this vitally important opportunity, please go within to the divinity of your heart flame and breathe your holy breath in and out deeply as you experience this command from your I am presence. I am Invoking the will of God. The immaculate concept of all energy comes from God. Everything that seems like solid matter is actually pulsating, intelligent, divine energy. Every particle and wave of this intelligent, divine energy is one with God and responds instantly to divine love. This very moment, through my holy breath and my heart flame, my physical body is being refined and filled with light. Therefore, I am in the world but not of it. My heart flame is expressing God's comprehensive divine love, awakening me to the inner guidance of my Father, Mother, God. The purpose of my earthly existence is to become a co-creator with my Father, Mother, God. Thus, mastering my physical reality. Humanity is now learning to perceive the immaculate concept of the divine plan 
for this planet, which is heaven on earth. This reality has always been known in the celestial frequencies of the fifth dimension. Mother Mary is now asking me to join her as she blesses humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth with the immaculate concept of God's will. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of every person on earth. Through the power of my spoken word, I command the unformed primal light substance from within the very heart of my Father, Mother, God to manifest the immaculate concept of God's will tangibly in the physical world of form right here and right now. Beloved presence of God, I am. I gratefully acknowledge in my mind and accept in my feelings the living reality of your mantle of electronic light substance enfolding me as a blazing aura of ever-expanding light and protection. Centered within my heart flame, I feel the pulsation of my own divinity radiating through my awakening consciousness. I now know that I am the physical manifestation of my I am presence through which flows at all times the virtues, qualities, and blessings from my Father, Mother, God, and the company of heaven. These gifts from on high flow to me and through me to enhance the lives of all humanity. The elemental kingdom and Mother Earth with loving conviction I command the light of God is always victorious. I live this day in God's light. God is in control wherever I am. The harmony of my true being is my ultimate protection. I do now invoke the added assistance of God's divine will to keep this activity of light sustained around me and my world so that only the will of God will manifest in all of my activities, in all places, and at all times. I now invoke my Father, Mother, God, the mighty Elohim, the archangels, and the ascended and cosmic beings associated with God's will on this precious planet. Blessed ones, come forth now. 
blaze, blaze, blaze the immaculate concept of the most intensified frequencies of God's sapphire blue flame of divine will and power that the earth and humanity are capable of receiving during this cosmic moment. Project this sacred fire which is pulsating with the full divine momentum of God's will in, through, and around every person, place, condition, and thing on earth. Clear away the destructive activity of humanity's own free will, which might try to rush in and impede my conscious desire to do God's will in manifesting the heart-based patterns of perfection for the recently ascended fifth-dimensional crystalline solar new earth. Help me to become and remain obedient to the laws of divine love and to be God in action at all times. Father, Mother, God, consecrate my life force to be the open door for the immaculate concept of God's will and God's comprehensive divine love now and forever. I am the cosmic blue lightning of God's will now dissolving all opposition to the acceptance and manifestation of God's will as a way of life and service for every person evolving on earth, now and forever. I am the resurrection and the life of God's will. I am the acceptance, I am the restoration, and I am the divine manifestation of God's will as a way of life and service for every person evolving on earth, now and forever. The will of God is light. The will of God is love. The will of God is good. The will of God is grace. The will of God is peace. The will of God is purity. The will of God is balance. The will of God is health. The will of God is abundance. The will of God is kindness. The will of God is unity. The will of God is happiness. 
The will of God is harmony. The will of God is perfection. I am the open door for the immaculate concept of the will of God. And so it is, beloved I am. Beloved I am. Beloved, I am that I am. Beloved Mother Mary, thank you for this gift that you have blessed humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth with this sacred and holy day. God bless you. Dear ones, I look forward to being with you next week. Let us begin with some basics. No, let us not. Let us begin with some basics. (laughs) We know who you are in this room. Dear ones, I want to teach. But not without first acknowledging the family. I want to teach you about you. Everything I'm going to do in this chair that my partner has allowed me to do, as he steps aside, he doesn't know what's coming. He's practiced this. He's practiced not knowing what's coming. He's practiced allowance without filters. I'm going to explain that eventually. And so I am open in this portal which you call channeling to allow for a third language to come flowing in that you can feel in an interdimensional way that is not with words and not linear. And some of you will. This particular channel is being published and some of you are listening and reading. And this is open to you as well, for I know of the potential of your listening and reading. Odd as it may sound to you, this is part of the interdimensional potentials that God has as the central source. The potentials of your awakening itself, that you would pick it up and look at it. It's there. We see it as reality even before it happens. We got to start with the basics. Human consciousness is complex. There will come a day when scientists may consider human consciousness as a branch of physics because it does not follow the patterns of linear physics. Even the patterns of quantum physics, because it is 
what they would call biased in directions of personality, of Vance, Akash. It's complicated. So the, the rules would be very, very basic, but they're outside of that, which is three-dimensional physics as it is known today. And so to describe communications in this fashion goes beyond the limits of any understood science. It challenges you to think differently, act differently. Soul communication. And there are two ways. Communications from things to you that are multidimensional and from you to them which is multidimensional. There is the difference between linear and non-linear communications. I am going to explain it the best I can with explanations perhaps I've not given before. I want you to consider for a moment you have an old typewriter and you are typing along and as you type along, you will see the letters on the page one after another appear. Pretty soon you have words and then sentences and then thought groups. This is linear communication. Now what you are beholding at the moment, whether you're reading or hearing, is the same. One word after another. In a structure for the language of my partner. It is linear. It is in a row, in a line, like the typewritten words on the page. That is linear communication. That is human communication. Nonlinear communication would be as follows. Now pay attention, for this is going to be what my partner calls a stretch. (laughs) Pretend that the typewriter is stuck. (laughs) And you can type all day long, but you're only going to have one image. Every letter is going to show itself over the other. You type away, it does not advance at all. It simply types over itself, one letter. Now, what would you see on the page, dear one, at the end of a long letter to a friend? A smudge. All the letters piled up, inking over one another. You'd have no idea. You would look at it and you'd be sorry that the typewriter failed. And you hadn't noticed. Now consider for a moment somebody comes along and they have non-linear communication skills. They would look at the smudge and see the letter. (laughs) And that's as clear as I can make it. They're conceptual. They would see the thought that went into it. They would see the linearity outside of its linearity. The letters are there, dear ones, but they're not there in linear form. They're all together as a group. Therefore, a non-linear communicator will see the smudge and see the entire letter. Now, there's an attribute of this, and it's difficult to describe to you. And it's, it's out of the logic that you would have, and yet it is. And so let me try to explain it. My partner goes slowly. So this will be understood. When the conceptual person looks at the smudge, they're looking at something that exists already. 
a letter has been typed. So they're not making something up. They are simply reading something in a non-linear way. The letter has been written, oddly, all in one smudge, but it has been written. There is an attribute of a non-linear mind, which you call autism, that you should study. There are many autistic human beings who can tell you the day of the week of a future date in any year, in any month. If you would ask that person, what is the day of the week in May of 2035? And they would come up with it, maybe a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And it would be there and they would do it instantly. You would gasp at their computational efforts. And here is the answer. Computation has nothing to do with it. It's not a formula. It's not math. It exists. And so it is known. You can go to any computer that is calendar friendly and find that information because it already exists. It's a concept that has already been developed and known. The nonlinear mind, therefore, is able to go to it and interpret it instantly because they see the concept. They're not calculating anything. Now you know the difference between linear and nonlinear. There's a lot of communication that wants to come to you from all manner of sources. So I'm going to start the list. Channeling is what you're hearing right now. My partner has practiced it for 23 years. When he started, it was ugly. (laughs) For we're not speaking to him in a linear fashion. You see, he is a master interpreter of nonlinear concepts coming through his pineal. Now, I am speaking to him in his real time, and he is interpreting. So it sounds like a flow of linear words, but it's a thought group that I keep giving him over and over. You see, we have practiced together. We both had to adjust. When we started, I gave him the concept like the letter in one smudge, like that. And then he had to remember what it said. And give you the channeling. And he wasn't very good at it. And then we realized that if we kept giving him the smudge over and over. That he could interpret it. In a linear fashion. And so we repeat the concepts. By the way. I just gave you the secret. To graduate intuitive thought. Ask for spirit to repeat the intuitive thought. (laughs) Now, my partner didn't even teach that today, and I had to come along with the obvious. Repeat it. That should be your request to spirit when you don't understand what it is. Repeat it. And have that intuitive thought then repeat it so that you can grasp it and see it for it is beauty and it's clarity. And we will. We want to meet you in between the linear and non-linear veil, 
Do you realize this is why spirit has talked to humanity in quatrains and in metaphors forever? That's all we have. And the interpretation of these things then become puzzles. People reading scripture, why can't you talk normally, spirit? (laughs) Because we are not linear. The channeling is not linear, but it sounds like it is because we continue to repeat the smudge. And even this channeling, all of it, as long as it is on the clock for you to see, as long as it takes, is all being given at the same time to my partner over and over. So he can see it. And so we begin. What is this channeling? It is the pineal opening up and giving my partner these communications and allowing him to interpret him through his experience, interpreting them and giving them to you. It is a form of communication that is open to all humanity and you don't have to call it channeling. You can call it whatever you want to and every single human being is open to learning it. Not necessarily for others. How about just for yourself? Some call it automatic writing. This is a communication portal that opens through the pineal for you and it is not from the brain. And we've said this before. This is soul communication. This is multidimensional communication. It has nothing to do with synapse. Nothing. It is not a brain function. That's why it's hard. Now, there's many kinds of communications from many things. Let us speak of the difficulty yet again. Anything I'm going to mention from now on in this section of others communicating to you must be interpreted. What else is there? There are many things. So I'm giving my partner a list and he can choose what he wants to talk about in the time that he has. Personal. Let's talk about personal. How can you hear what spirit or any other multidimensional source has for you when it doesn't come in a linear fashion? And my partner gave it today and the answer is through practice of recognizing intuitive thought. And not, number one, not trying to interpret it with your intellect. Do not let the synapse of your brain get in the way of God. (laughs) Do I say that again? You will learn to put it aside. What is it that my partner had to learn as the engineer in order to channel, to get out of the way, to stop analyzing If it's him, is he making it up? Is it from his brain? Or is it bigger than that? So for you personally, dear one, this is what you have to do. Now, there's many sources other than that, which you call God, that wish to speak to you in this fashion. We'll get there. But if it's a nonlinear source, it's going to come through intuitive thought, not synapse. Where do we go next with this? <laughs> hmm. Let's talk about animals. You love them, don't you? 
And what do you know about animals? The ones you have and are in love with, that you call pets, have personalities. And they can talk to you. And what does that sound like, dear one? What does their voice sound like? And you go, well, well, crying, you already know they don't have a voice. Oh, really? Then how do they talk to you? Now it gets good, doesn't it? Through concepts. Their conceptual thought groups are available to pick up, guess where? Through your pineal, <laughs> which is the interpreter of multidimensional things in your body, not your brain, and will give you the same thought groups they have. That some of you are good at. There's ones who are listening to this right now called animal whisperers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Why do they call it whispering? I'll give you my interpretation because it's not linear. Because it whispers to your mind through the pineal and comes in the thought group very softly all at once, like a smudge. You know what the dog is thinking. You know what the cat is thinking. You know what the horse is thinking. The requests they have, perhaps the distress they have, perhaps the celebration or the love. Now, this is easy for you. Easy. Because you all have felt this. You know what I'm speaking about. This is not different than the same muscle that you're going to use in meditation to listen to God. It's the same apparatus of your system. So is it true that communicating with animals is soul communication? Yes. (laughs) There's to yours. And if you're good at that, why not go then and not doubt yourself and be good at that, which within your within your own higher self. Now, I just gave away who you're communicating with. (laughs) Your higher self is that self which vibrates higher than you are. It's part of your soul group, the core. And this is what gives you information from the other side of the veil, which you call angelic, sacred God. It's the same as in animals. Did you know? Here's another one in the list that I'm giving my partner. Did you know that actions are communication? When my partner speaks about the grid, and when you sense that which is crystalline grid, the battlefield, what has happened there, it's concepts. And it's coming through the pineal. And it's thought groups, not linear communication. Some of you are good at that. You are proud that you can feel energy where you go. You can feel the energy of a group. You can feel the energy of the land, which is the crystalline grid. You can feel the energy of a situation. And you're good at it. What are you feeling? This is soul communication at its best. It does not come from the brain. It is not intellectual. This is physics. You are picking it up through the pineal, interpreting it, and you get the information. Something has happened on the ground where you are. It may take you to your knees. That's communication. Beautiful. But you had to interpret it. 
Why is it that the communication which is so personal to you is the hardest to interpret? You with you. This is what the teaching is today, trying to open that up. There are many other kinds of communication. What about those other things and what I'll call universal communication? When you walk into the forest and the trees talk to you, what's their voice sound like? (laughs) Am I getting through to you? You are able to hear these things in your own way. They are not synaptical. It's another kind of physics. It's soul communication, and they're talking right to that part of your consciousness, your Merkaba, your quantum field that makes sense to you because it's conceptual. Are the trees in trouble? Are they crying? Are they celebrating? And there are those of you who are hearing my voice and in this room who know the answers to all of those. Brian, is it true that in the forest there are what you would call divas? Here's my answer. Are you kidding? Of course. (laughs) Of course. What are they? They are multidimensional aspects of Gaia. I love it. When human beings cannot get that, they want to dress them up and put outfits on them, make them little, call them different things. Give them voices, put them in movies. They're beautiful, and you know they are, and they're everywhere. Go into the forest. They'll talk to you. Sit down in the grass and let them land on you. Now, that's linear. I want you to picture that, and they will. They're not landing anywhere. They just are. They're part of the soup that is Gaia, that is Mother Nature, the personality of the love of the planet for humanity as it walks into it. It's a celebration of your life. You're not going to get bad things from a diva. You're not going to get bad information from hugging a tree. You know that, don't you? What does that tell you about how Gaia feels about you? That's just a few of the things. When it comes to the subject of communications to you, let's talk about let's talk about the other one and then we'll close it off and we'll continue tomorrow. My partner, it's important that you record all of these things and present them so that those who are not here tomorrow can hear the rest of the story. That is your challenge. (laughs) What about you communicating the other direction? You have got linear communication. That's all you've got. You do not have necessarily the tools for multidimensional communication. Now you can develop them, and many of you have. But in general, you've got linear communication. So what about you with spirit? Let me tell you the truth. Dear ones, we don't have any trouble (laughs) understanding you because we are the master interpreters. (laughs) We know exactly what you're saying. And it doesn't matter whether you're thinking it or whether you're saying it or you're just thinking about thinking it or saying it. We know. Because we're with you all the time. The higher self which vibrates above the corporeal self knows the psyche of your mind. And when you sit to meditate, we know what you're going to do before you do it because the potentials are there. You're already thinking about it before you do it. 
I'll give you some rules. Stop giving us laundry lists of what you want. We know what you want. Sit and say to us, dear spirit, tell me what it is you want me to know. Because we're already on board with everything in your life. Do I have to say that again? We're already on board with everything in your life. Come to us and let us talk to you. Just let us talk and try to interpret the thought groups that come first without analyzing. Get used to this. But as far as you talking to us, it doesn't matter how you do it. Now, there will be those that say, well, there has to be wrong ways to do it. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. Well, well, Cryon, what do you think about religious groups who have to face a certain direction or have a prayer rug or, or wear something special? And what I say to you is let them do that. It honors God in their culture. It honors God. Is there anything better than that to prepare them to talk to us? The same love goes into their communications as yours. Cultural differences between you do not compute to the other side of the veil, for we see a human as the human, the corporeal piece of God that you are. It doesn't matter what you're wearing or what you're sitting on. Is that clear? There is no wrong way to speak to the to creative source. Well, maybe crying there isn't, but I've had a few times when I was yelling at God. <laughs> and we heard you. But we did not hear the yell. That's linear. This is hard to explain. What we heard is loving frustration. (laughs) Loving frustration. We heard the yell. We didn't see the anger. You weren't angry. You were frustrated. And that's the time when we want to surround you the most. The more you yell at God, the more there are angels around you wanting to hold your hand and take you if you'd let us. Next time you decide to yell at God, would you also open your heart and let us hold you for a while? Is that okay? In the moment of greatest frustration that you have where you have no answers at all and you can't figure it out, can you just be held? Is that all right? Because we're here for that. Old soul, you've got to get used to this communication. This is so available. Actions are a language. How you behave talks to the crystalline grid, talks to the Gaia grid. What you think talks to the to the magnetic grid, which we have called the seat of human consciousness. Without you saying a thing, that's another way of communicating to everything around you. What you say out of your mouth in linear fashion, the cells of your body hear. How many self-help gurus have had to tell you that you're going to bring to you what you say? Why is it that hypochondriacs bring to themselves the very diseases that they fear the most and talk about? Because the body hears them and gives them what they ask for. The body is listening. The grids are listening. Even the human beings around you are listening. Do you spin in drama? Here we are again. 
Is this attractive to other human beings? Have you ever thought about that? What do you want to show somebody about your belief system? That you're out of balance and that they ought to do what you do? Think about it. How are you presenting mastery to humanity, old soul? What have you learned through all of the ages that you brought to the party today? And is it spinning? Or is it love? Well, crying, that's easier said than done. How do you stop spinning? I just told you. If you'll open your heart and allow these things to communicate, it's going to start a peaceful countenance with you. This is called awakening to spirit. Getting out of the old habits and the old fears and starting to claim the part of the old soul, which is you, available to you and to humanity for those around you. So much to be told about how you communicate with others. Multidimensional communication. Those of you who are good at speaking to the animals, not listening, but speaking to them, have developed thought group communication. You're already on board. For the best kind of soul communication there is, you're starting to think out of the box. You're looking into the animal's eyes and you're giving them pictures, aren't you? And they're getting it, aren't they? (laughs) It ought to tell you, this can work. Humans can develop multidimensional attributes and characteristics that are entirely consciousness-driven, sent through the pineal, to anywhere you want. There are helpers around you, we've told you. Do I have to list them? Entities, groups, all around you that are not from here. Not just the Pleiadians, Arcturians, Orions, Hawthors, from Sirius, uh, endless. And you know what they have in common? Non-linear thought. <laughs> and you can communicate with them the same way you do with animals. Dear human being, soul communication, we're going to open the door before we close to this and tell you this is something we want you to consider and to study, to know about, to realize Don't let it be mysterious. I've just given you the attributes of to and from or from and to. In the next section, I'll continue with another subject. What is it that blocks it? What are filters? What can you do to enhance it? Soul communication is part of what the old soul must get into and learn. And the answer of what it's going to create is balance on the planet and peace on earth. It begins here. It begins with understanding, demystifying, 
There is structure in these things. There is a benevolent system in these things. There is common sense in these things. We invite you to find it, for it will create spiritual evolution on this planet, led by the very ones who are reading and listening to this voice. Family, that's the lesson for today. It's beautiful, isn't it? All we want to do is communicate. And it's time to get on with it. Explaining how it works. The suggestions of how to make it better. Even the very thing you hear now, which is channeling. Demystifying what some have called spooky, unnatural, weird, just because it isn't linear. will stand by for lots of things that aren't linear. And the one that is the greatest of all is love. I can't explain it, can you? Emulate it. And so it is. So as we begin to bring the energy into a quieter place, a more receptive place, Just let your body and your consciousness settle a little bit in this moment. Take a breath. And know that there is nothing for you to do just to be right here with us. With the beautiful energy of love and family. And let yourself feel the blessings in the room that you create, that we create together. Feeling the energy of the cosmos coming in through the crown of your head and just settling for a moment in your heart, saying hello. And then moving through your body, down your legs, into your feet, connecting with our beautiful Mother Gaia, right here, right now in this room. And letting yourself just find the stillness of that connection between heaven and earth. And in that stillness is that beautiful heart of yours, that space where your breath lives, where your light lives, where the softness of divine love always, always lives for you, even when we forget it's still there waiting for you to take another breath and move through your body, your consciousness, into that place of receiving divine love. Greetings, dear ones. I'm Kryon of Magnetic Service. Take a moment and honor that which is here. I would not tell you things that are not so. 
There is a maturity of awareness that is in the room that lays upon you like a blanket of benevolence as it honors the role of the old soul in the future. And what we are going to speak of in these short moments has been spoken of many times through the years. And we're going to give a a summation of it today, pulling it all together. In this particular year, the year of two, we call it year two because it is the second year of acceleration of the new energy. The first year being 2014, This being the second. Things are beginning to shift on the planet dramatically. Unexpected things to your psyche are before you. We have told you not to despair. Do not worry that it is part of a recalibration of everything. And we've asked you to see and feel the benevolence of God in all of it. And then there are the instructions for you. Old soul, you are beginning to recalibrate how you feel about God. What follows should have a title. And humans love titles, so we will call it Accelerated Awareness, the Rise of Spiritual Common Sense. It is time for you to finally understand and separate in a mature way the consciousness of the Creator versus the consciousness of a human. Many years ago, I told my partner to write a book called Don't Think Like a Human. (laughs) To this day, the title is catchy, and many agree that this would be nice. Now, it's a prerequisite. And we're going to give you a number of attributes. I'll even call them items that are that are things to work on and understand and to realize that are that are involved in everyday life and you will relate to these things because they are how humanity has worked with God in the past. We've given you channels through the years that told you not to take the consciousness of humans and place it upon God. And this is another one of them. Only this one is maybe perhaps a wrap-up in the reality of what follows in your lives for you to take this information seriously, pass it around, Give others the information, perhaps by having them read or listen to these words. As we discuss a beautiful, beautiful system. 
Dear ones, how do you perceive God? In an old energy, that is to say, the energy that humans have always been in up to this point, there has been perhaps a bias. And the bias is that you think of God as a parent figure. You even name some of your religious leaders father. And the paradigm of parenting, therefore, is what you would then apply to the creator of the universe. It's the best you have. It's honoring in your mind. But dear ones, in the parenting and humans to children, you have also applied all of the other human attributes that parents would have, that fathers would have, and they would be a list that is endless. And they would all be human emotion, anger, Punishment, control, do as you're told, authority, on and on. You have the idea that God is the shepherd and you are the sheep. And this has been used over and over in a, in a very benevolent way of how you should then see the creator of the universe. The father syndrome. It's the first one we tell you to break, break, break. There is no relationship like parenting when it comes to the almighty. You are family, but we are not parents. We are the family with you. We are your best friend, your brother and your sister. We are spiritual lovers of humanity. There is no anger. There is no punishment. There is no punishment. Dear ones, your life here is by your agreement with the creator in order for a test of energy. And that is all it is. You're not in a scenario of good and bad punishment. All of the things that that humans do with humans. It's not what God does. How can we then show you or tell you? Can you understand the statement, the creator of the universe is not a human? Does not have human consciousness, does not have human nature, therefore does not have anger, does not have punishment, doesn't want to control, and you're not sheep. Could it be any clearer? The closer you get to the source which is inside you, which is God, the more you will feel this arrangement we have. One single hand reaches out to you that is the creator and is all that is, asking you to take it, not so you will be controlled as sheep, but so you will be included in the creative source. The closer you get through your higher self to that which is this creative source, which you call God, the stronger influence of compassion you will have on this planet. Like the masters that came before you who were not angry and who did not punish and did not want you to be sheep. That's number one. Could it be any clearer?
to change the paradigm of the relationship to the part of you which is creation. We're looking at all of these things closely. And we have so many of them. There are those in this room who wanted to hear this, who've been climbing steps all their life in order to satisfy something they believe that spirit wants, who have suffered enough. I want to just hear these few things that you should know. Dear ones, there is no hierarchy. Could it be that there is nobody in charge? (laughs) It is a human attribute. Don't you understand this? In order for you to group together and accomplish anything, there's a structure. It's human. It's everywhere. There's always somebody in charge. Always. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, even the hermit in the field, somebody owns the field. Someone's in charge. Somebody has to to be there. Even in the middle of the ocean, someone's in charge. You'll say, well, now it is Neptune. Now it is Mother Nature. There's always a force above you. And you apply that situation, a hierarchy, to God. You have created that which is hierarchical even in the angels. You have master angels. You have ones that are in charge of others. You've got books filled of who answers to whom. And they don't. And they don't. You see the structure of spirit of what you call God. Is different than you would imagine. There is one consciousness that is in charge. And one consciousness is also the family. It is hard to describe to you a multidimensional aspect that you do not have. Imagine for a moment there was a consciousness that everyone had. And you were all in charge. If you had that, then there would be no followers. There would be no less than. You'd all know what to do instantly and would do it in complementary fashion with the others because you were all in charge. You saw what had to be done. You would then have the solutions all together as one. That is the mind of God. The angelic beings are not in a hierarchy. You say there is Archangel Michael. Michael would be the first to tell you there isn't. But honors the fact that you would see there was in order to facilitate yourselves and be comfortable in 3D. You see, 
It is time to get out of the fallacies of an old energy where you apply all human nature to God. Number three, you always have to pay something to get something. You have applied this to absolutely everything in your life. Even physics sees a certain way of the way things work in three dimension where there's no such thing as free energy. It simply changes its form. You've got to pay the price in order to move from A to B. There has to be a transition. Even in physics, energy must move this way in order for you to get this. There is a payment plan for everything. And you applied that to God. Oh, did you? So here comes the creating force of the universe. And the first thing you're going to ask is, what do I have to do? If you give up your energy, if you're going to count some beads, if you're going to do something, it's going to be to pay spirit so that you can exist as good in the eyes of God. Let me tell you something. You are born magnificent and perfect and always are. Always are. There is nothing you can do that will diminish you in the eyes of the creator. Oh, you may disappoint yourself. You may disappoint society. You are here for a reason. And the test is here. You may make some funny decisions that other humans don't like. And God loves you the same. Did you hear that? And when you die and transfer energy for a moment to my side of the veil before you return, when you do, there's a party that celebrates that which you did called living life on the planet and being part of the puzzle. Everyone, from the minister to the one in prison, do you hear me? And this does not compute, does it? It doesn't work for you. Anyone listening to my voice, I'll tell you, you say, there has to be a punishment, a payment. You have to pay to get something. No, you don't. You arrived on this planet on purpose, and you didn't pay anybody to get here. And it wasn't a punishment. Why do you assign negative and positive energies to everything that happens. And you do. That is human nature. Every single organization that is spiritual, including this one, if you want to call it an organization, it's an organization of consciousness, has that in it. There's got to be something you must do to have the favor of God. And then you ask, am I doing it right? Oh, yes, you are. By being in the chair and loving God, you're doing it right. There are certain societies where human beings act like children who are spiritual and they don't know any better. And it still goes on. 
charlatans who know far, far better will tell you that for a certain price they can forgive your sins or propel you in heaven or even affect your ancestors and you hand over the money. This is still on today. Dear old soul, break this paradigm in any way you can. When anybody talks to you about reward and punishment and payment, when it comes to the Almighty, you tell them you're part of the family and you're all paid up, all right? <laughs> there are those so many who besiege God right now, right this moment in prayer, bending over and saying, how can we get clean in the eyes of God? And they don't know that they were never dirty. Who told them they were dirty? Why would they? Break the paradigm. Born magnificent. Family and clean. Forever. Your timing, number four, is not God's timing. And yet you make it that way. It's a habit that way. My partner even gave a full lecture series and recorded a video about it because it is so prevalent among you. Somebody has to hear this. You came today to hear this. When you get a strong intuition about something that may be in your future, You take it and you hold it to yourself and you thank God for finally giving you some instructions on what to do. You're going to go over here. You're going to start a school. You're going to write a book. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And then you do it. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work spectacularly. It fails. Use the word. And then what do you do? You do the human thing. You say, well, what did I do wrong? How did I displease God? All of those things are simply running in circles of human nature and not having any idea about how the creator works. If any of you at any time get a message about something that is coming or an inkling or a feeling, I want you to promise me you'll have common sense that is spiritual and see it for what it is. What it is is a potential that may very well happen and the synchronicity will be created when it's time and not on your clock. I want to show you why you do what you do, and we've just we've discussed this before. All of human nature has the authority figure asking you to do something or telling you to do something, and you doing it immediately. When your father said, clean up your room, when were you supposed to do it? When your boss tells you they want something, when were you supposed to do it? And the answer is always now. 
So spirit gives you intuition about something that's going to happen, something that's in the works, or for you, something you're supposed to do, and you instantly knee-jerk it into reality now. <laughs> and it fails. Promise me that you will have the wherewithal and the maturity to say, thank you, God, for this information. It's beautiful. And I will wait patiently for the synchronicity that will begin to realize and fulfill this. For I am family and I understand the principles of synchronicity and the timing of spirit. I want you to see it in the bigger picture. These things that you are working on are potentials. You may be shown something far before someone else who will be part of it is shown. You're going to have to wait for them. For things to come together in a synchronicity, in a society of free choice, they also may change. They may morph into something else and you will be given that. And yet there are humans that are angry at God because they didn't get number one, they got number two. And when you ask them, well, number two was better, and you say, yes, but number one is what he told me. What did I do wrong? Not understanding. God does not have a list for you. <laughs> These are energies of potential and the timing of spirit not on your clock. Promise me that you won't launch out just because you got the message or the inkling. But that you will wait in a mature fashion for the timing of spirit and know it when you see it and be comfortable with it. Old soul, mature, common sense should prevail. Number five, the last one. Purpose. How many sales meetings have you attended? <laughs> and they all tell you the same thing. In order to have, have something happen, you, you have to have a goal. It would be help, helpful to, to paste things magnetically on the refrigerator to remind you. Maybe you should go to meetings where other people have the same goals and reiterate them. None of that is what God has. None of that. And we said it before. Your purpose on the planet has nothing to do with your works. Did you hear that? There are sayings that some of you have heard all your life. By your works will you be known. Let me tell you another saying. By your magnificence on the planet will you be known. Which is you in the chair listening today. How about that? By your magnificence of being a human and going through this will you be known. by what you do while you're here. The magnificence of the old soul will be increased even more through compassionate action and we have said that. That's what you're here for. If you really want a goal, I will give it to you. Compassionate action. Live like a master. And you will say to me, it's hard. 
And I will say to you, that's why we call you light worker. It's hard. It is. You have the maturity and the life experience on this planet to achieve all that you set out to achieve. In this life and others that you will live, by your magnificence, will you be known as those who will create peace on earth and take it into ascension eventually. That's how we know you, family. By your name and lights, your name sung in the light form. That's how we know you. And that's real different from having a goal. All of the things that we have given you this day are things of human nature pasted upon the countenance of God. And it would include almost every single one of the structures of that which is spiritual in any organization on the planet. And we ask you to change it. And when you begin to do this, dear ones, you're going to find an increase in love, benevolence, understanding, and peace. You realize there's no more steps to climb to please God. All you have to do is open the door and take the hand of the family that you are. Could it be simpler? Dear ones, this is the message, profound, complete. And so it is. And so it is. And we are all servants of peace. In the light of the most radiant one, Mother is here, and we greet you with all the love and compassion we can find, as this is, you are our Mother, so greetings, Mother. Greetings, in the light of the most one. In the office of the Christ, and only in the office of of the Christ, we invoke the loving energies 
Saint Germain and Violet. We ask at this time for the higher light and the higher mind and the higher beingness of all of us as one beingness to remember this that there's only one of us here. Greetings, Mother. Greetings. Greetings. Children of Ra Indeed there is only one of us here It is a most unique time to be on the planet in a body. We commend you for sticking it out as long as you have. We're not going anywhere. This is the story right here. It's about ascension and it is happening as we are Many things happening all at once. It's because we're in a new timeline, new reality. Things speeding up very fast now. events that have been unfolding in the last few days are futile attempts of souls that Let's say a new way of being is happening in this moment. (sighs) 
It's about love. The frequencies are so high we have no words except absorb the light coming in from the sun. That is the place where the answers are forthcoming. The sun shines on everyone, doesn't make choices. The things that are going on, we have no words except to say, send more love. It's how we heal in our own ways. It is a time where all of the old energies have gone on for so many eons come to conclusion our wayward children are in their twilight and send more love It's how we get through this test. We set it up for ourselves. It's huge. events that are happening are about this unique moment we have the gifts we have our abilities it is in our best interest learn the ways of the force to meditate call us in this is how we get through this time right now it is not easy with the emotions challenges that come up each day 
it is about why we keep speaking about the rainbow nation rising to the occasion every color of the spectrum is at hand no matter what we look like or where we come from we serve within the frequencies of love and balance and joy ecstasy it is a completion cycle at this time we know there are many more pieces to this story that fit together more is forthcoming Release make the light of the most radiant one Adonai Basu Baragas Namaste Mother Namaste <laughs> Remember you have the ability to shift this now Oh my goodness we got Naughty Kitty Naughty Kitty No 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 <sighs> Short but sweet to the point. Mm. How about we play democracy now on their drama? Okay. <clears throat> Where did you go? Oh, to Taos Mountain, just to be with the energies there. Mother was short but sweet. Yes. A lot going on. Yes. <sighs> and the light is continuing to pour in, so... The light is 
so strong, I have no words. So let's do that. Let's do it from the computer. Okay. Let's just open things up for the light. I keep thinking about Lahaina and all the Lahainas that have ever happened. Transmute, transmute, transmute. Oh, back to love. Mm. Oh. And so it is. Democracy Now! There's been talk already about um, folks getting offers on their homes, and I know from friends that that's happening. Um, But as I mentioned, there's also water grab in the works, and and the discussion around this really makes me fear for the future of Lahaina, and whether or not it will be one that includes Native Hawaiians and other local people, or or whether the Build Back will focus on outsiders. Plantation disaster capitalism. Fear is growing among Native Hawaiians that wealthy interests will seize land and water resources in this time of crisis on Maui as the death count continues to rise. We'll go to Hawaii for the latest. Then teach no lies as students return to school in Florida. We'll speak with a historian leading the fight against the state's new black history curriculum that claims black people benefited from being enslaved. And we'll look at a shocking new Washington Post expose revealing the Smithsonian has a racial brain collection gathered in part by a racist anthropologist. There were children in the collection. There were men and women and then fetuses. Many of them were indigenous people, other people of color. And many of them didn't have their identities actually recorded, partly because they were looked at as specimens. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. In Canada, officials have declared a state of emergency in the British Columbia city of West Kelowna as a wildfire tripled in size. Thousands have been evacuated. Meanwhile, mass evacuations continued in Canada's Northwest Territories, capital city of Yellowknife, where all 20,000 residents have been told to leave. It's quite scary um, because with the smoke, of course, it's actually lightened up a little bit, but the smoke was very, very thick this morning. And um, so, I mean, it's not a good situation, that's for sure. 
Over a thousand active blazes are burning across Canada in its worst ever wildfire season. In Hawaii, the head of Maui's emergency management resigned, citing health reasons, one week after the deadly wildfire started and one day after Herman Andaya defended not sounding sirens to warn people as the flames engulfed thousands of homes and businesses. Officials have now identified six victims as the death toll of 111 is expected to rise over the coming days. Meanwhile, concerns are mounting over climate gentrification in the tragedy's wake. Many Native Hawaiians had already been priced out of their land due to a swelling housing crisis with Hawaii ranking as the most expensive state to rent or own a home in the U.S. Hawaiians and residents of Hawaii have reported receiving predatory calls from developers seeking to buy their property. Hurricane Hillary grew to a Category 4 storm off the Pacific coast of Mexico and is expected to bring heavy downpours and flooding to parts of the U.S. southwest and northwestern Mexico this weekend. In Spain's Canary Islands, thousands have been evacuated as the Tenerife wildfire continues to burn out of control. Tenerife, a popular vacation island, has seen higher than average temperatures this summer, much like the rest of Spain and Europe. Next week could bring more possibly record-breaking extreme heat across the continent. President Biden is hosting the first ever trilateral summit with leaders of Japan and South Korea at Camp David. Beijing has bashed the summit as a mini NATO. Meanwhile, South Korea warned North Korea could launch another intercontinental ballistic missile to protest the summit. An assessment by U.S. intelligence predicts Ukraine's counteroffensive will fail to reach the key southeastern city of Melitopol. The Washington Post reported the news, which would mean Ukraine will not achieve its goal of cutting off Russia's land bridge to Crimea. It could also renew debate within the international community over the billions of dollars in military assistance being sent to Ukraine to fight Russia's invasion. In other news about the war, Chinese Defense Minister Li Shangfu visited Belarus on Thursday, vowing to increase military cooperation with the Russian ally. Meanwhile, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko said Thursday Belarus is ready to use nuclear weapons from Russia if it faces aggression. Around 1,000 Palestinians imprisoned by Israel have launched an indefinite hunger strike to protest attacks by the Israel Prison Service, which is overseen by the far-right National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir. Prisoners have asked Palestinians living in the occupied West Bank to hold solidarity demonstrations. Meanwhile, Israel's deadly attacks on Palestinians in the West Bank continue. At least three people were killed this week, including a 16-year-old boy. The family of 32-year-old Mustafa al-Kastouni decried his killing as they accused Israeli forces of shooting him dead even after he said he'd surrender. Israeli forces then detonated explosives in his family's home. This is Mustafa al-Kastouni's mother. We looked and we saw that they blew up the house in seconds. The stairs area was packed with Israeli soldiers and also the buildings nearby. They blew up our house. I wanted to go through the rubble, but I couldn't. The young men helped me to go through. I was looking for Abu Ali, but they said he wasn't there with them. I asked them to check under the rubble and they agreed. They told me he died.
In Guatemala, voters are heading to the polls Sunday for a highly anticipated presidential election between the progressive candidate Bernardo Arevalo and former First Lady Sandra Torres. A new poll shows Arevalo of the Semilla Party in the lead. Arevalo spoke to the Atlantic Council in July. What we have seen afterwards in the streets is that there is a rekindling of hope, a rekindling of confidence, and, uh, and, and, and that people are actually believing that we can advance and begin to get rid of this corrupt political system that we have been suffering for decades by now. His opponent, Sandra Torres, has faced corruption charges and is backed by Guatemala's business and political elite. Meanwhile, Ecuador is gearing up for a snap presidential election Sunday after the current president, Guillermo Lasso, dissolved Congress in May to avoid his impeachment. At least three political leaders have been killed in recent weeks, including presidential candidate Fernando Vicencio. This is progressive presidential frontrunner Luis Gonzalez of the Citizen Revolution Movement Party. They want to fill us with hopelessness so they can bury us in sadness and pain. That way they can immobilize us. But we will react. We will react firmly and strongly by saying no. In Pakistan, more than 140 people were arrested. Over 6,000 police and paramilitary troops are deployed in the eastern city of Jaranwala in Punjab province after a group of Muslims torched churches and vandalized homes and businesses in a violent spree that has left the minority Christian community reeling. The violence was reportedly in retaliation for the desecration of a Quran by two Christian men. This is a Jaranwala man whose house was destroyed. When I saw my house, I felt a jolt in my heart and I thought I was going to fall. I immediately came out of my house and sat down. We have not committed any crime. All this is a grave injustice towards us. The head of the provincial government, Mohsin Nakvi, vowed to compensate and restore victims for their losses. Meanwhile, Muslim faith leaders joined their Christian counterparts in calling for accountability and protection for vulnerable minorities. This is Muslim cleric Tahir Mahmoud Ashrafi. Mr. Chief Justice of Pakistan, the nation demands that you establish a court right by the church where the Holy Cross is vandalized, and that you conduct a trial and reach a verdict within a month. The nation wants the culprits to be punished. Back in the United States, Donald Trump's legal team has asked to push back his January 6th trial to April 2026, well after the election, citing the overwhelming amount of evidence they need to sort through. The Justice Department has requested the trial start the first week of January 2024. Trump remains the frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination as he faces four indictments. In Georgia, officials are investigating after Trump supporters threatened and doxed grand jurors who voted to indict Trump over his efforts to overturn his 2020 defeat. Meanwhile, Trump's canceled a planned press conference Monday where he claimed he would present evidence exonerating him from the charges. In related news, prosecutors are seeking sentences of 33 years in prison for the two former leaders of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio and Joe Biggs. They were found guilty in May of seditious conspiracy over the January 6th Capitol assault. It will be the longest prison terms for anyone involved in the insurrection.
In Canada, at least three land defenders were arrested Tuesday after officials resumed enforcement of a court injunction used to crack down on activists at the Indigenous-led blockade at the Ferry Creek watershed on Vancouver Island. This comes as over 140 court cases against anti-logging protesters were recently dropped by British Columbia authorities. As it was found, police didn't properly read or explain the court injunction to them. The injunction was first granted to logging company Teal Jones in April 2021 and was lifted a few months later after a court said it violated the civil liberties of protesters and infringed on press freedom. And a new study shows Latinx children living in states with anti-immigrant laws are more likely to experience mental health and chronic physical health issues. The study says racist laws that make it difficult to access health care, affordable housing, education and stable employment have attributed have contributed to worsening asthma, diabetes and other physical ailments, as well as severe mental health conditions, including depression among Latinx children and teens aged three to 17. Among the worst states are Alaska, Alabama and Nebraska. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We begin today's show in Hawaii, where the death toll from the Maui fire stands at 111, but as many as a thousand people remain unaccounted for. As the search for bodies continues, we look today at what some native Hawaiians are calling plantation disaster capitalism, a growing fear that wealthy interests will seize land and water resources in this time of crisis. The writer Naomi Klein and the Hawaiian law professor Kapuala Sprout write about plantation disaster capitalism in a new article in The Guardian. They write, quote, it's a name that speaks to contemporary forms of neocolonialism and climate profiteering, like the real estate agents who've been cold calling Lahaina residents who've lost everything to the fire and prodding them to sell their ancestral lands rather than wait for compensation. But it also places these moves inside the long and ongoing history of settler colonial resource theft and trickery, making clear that while disaster capitalism might have some modern disguises, it's a very old tactic, a tactic that Native Hawaiians have a great deal of experience resisting. Those were the words of Naomi Klein and Kapua Sprout in The Guardian. Well, on Thursday night, I spoke to Professor Sprout from her home on the island of Kauai. She's a professor of law at Kahule Al Native Hawaiian Law Center. She also co-directs the Native Hawaiian Rights Clinic at the University of Hawaii at Manoa School of Law. I asked her to describe what's happening on Maui. Well, mahalo, Amy, for this opportunity to be here. To be quite honest, things are pretty brutal right now in Maui Komohana or in West Maui. People are still trying desperately to find ways forward from this disaster of untold proportions. And I'm not on Maui. I'm actually um, on the island of Kauai, so a couple islands over. Um, and I have not been there since the fire, but that's also absolutely appropriate because people who don't need to be there should stay away but send support from afar, regardless of what that looks like. Whether that means making and sending ploy or writing opinion pieces or sending money, um, whatever is the best way people can support from where they are, I think is really important. Um, but the word from our network of folks on the ground is that people are really struggling. I mean, our community has rallied in amazing ways, and I think that that's part of the message that we want to get out, you know, that Lahaina strong and Maui strong, that those are more than sayings. Our people are incredibly resilient. People aren't waiting on FEMA. 
or even on the state or county, relief organizations are springing up in people's homes and their garages and supplies are coming in by boat, by plane, by vehicle when the roads are open. Um, but there are also a lot of uncertainties and people are concerned because what's galling for me is I see in the midst of you know all of this attention and focus and resources being streamed towards Maui that really there's a naked power grab and really a land and water grab that's also underway. There's been talk already about um, folks getting offers on their homes, and I know from friends that that's happening. Um, but as I mentioned, there's also water grab in the works, and and the discussion around this really makes me fear for the future of Lahaina and whether or not it will be one that includes Native Hawaiians and other local people, or whether or whether the Build Back will focus on outsiders. Let's talk about each issue. First, the land grab. What exactly does that mean? So to be clear, again, I am not on the ground on Maui, but what I understand from people who are there is that they are realtors and there are others who are making offers to people in their most desperate time of need. When people are, you know, desperate for funding and other resources to try to build back their lives, people are getting offers on their ancestral homes, um, lands that here in Hawaii, when we talk about ancestral lands and our connection to place, um, we talk in generations and in hundreds of years. And so our Native Hawaiian Rights Clinic has been on the ground in Maui Kumohana working with community members for several years now. And many of our community members have long-standing relationships to place. And it's some of these community members who are getting offers on their homes at this most difficult time, which in my opinion, of course, is, is completely inappropriate. You talk about plantation disaster capitalism. Explain. Plantation disaster capitalism, I think, is unfortunately the perfect term for what's going on in Maui Komohana or in West Maui right now. Um, the plantations, the large landed interests that have had control over not just the land, but really much of Hawaii's and Maui Komohana's resources for the last several centuries are using this opportunity, of, are using this time of tremendous trauma for the people of Maui to swoop in and to get past the law, basically, they're using the emergency proclamation that the governor put into place the day after the fires to, you know, ravage Lahaina. And they're using this as an opportunity to try to get their way, especially with respect to water resources, um, something they could not achieve when the law and Hawaii's water code in particular were in place. Talk more about the water grab. So in Hawaii, Ola Ikawai, water is life. It's one of our most important resources. In fact, there are many people who would say fresh water is our most important resource. And it's what enabled our people to be able to not just survive, but really thrive in Hawaii for more than a millennia. And in Lahaina in particular, this area, sure, it's special for people who come on vacation and people who know French Street. But for the people of this community, Lahaina was really the seat of the Hawaiian kingdom. It was the capital before the island of before Oahu. And part of the reason that that was so, that Lahaina was such an important place, was because of the abundance of resources and the abundance of water resources in particular. Before the arrival of Europeans in Hawaii, Lahaina was actually known as the Venice of the Pacific, which for folks who have been there recently might seem extraordinary. Right now, Lahaina has been desiccated and is almost like a dry desert area. But 
when it was managed by Kanaka Maoli, by Native Hawaiians, it was abundant with water and other resources. So what happened was that with the arrival of plantation interests, those water resources, and especially after the capital was moved to Oahu, those resources were grabbed up by landed plantation interests. So first sugar plantations and pineapple plantations, and later those resources were diverted to support um, other kinds of development, including luxury residential development, and even to support hotels in some instances. And so what happened is that the vaivai, as we call it, the wealth of Lahaina was actually taken by these corporations. And so what we also know, at least the people from Hawaii, is that part of the reason for this extraordinary tragedy um, in Maui Komohana or in West Maui is also because it's, there has been more than a century of plantation water mismanagement in this area. It's because of extractive water policies where water hasn't remained on the land, invasive grasses have come up. That's what created the tinderbox and this unfortunate situation of the tragic fire that took place earlier this month. Um, you've raised the issue of the governor wasting no time in issuing emergency proclamations as the wildfires continue to burn, which suspended a series of laws, uh, including Hawaii state water code. Can you talk about why this is significant? I think part of what's so disappointing in the way the governor in partnership with large landed interests um, in Maui Komohana have tried to accomplish this naked power grab because really it's more than just a water grab, it's also a power grab, is that they're specifically usurping both the law and more than that, they're usurping long-standing and broad-based community interest and support for more proactive water management and water management that's going to ensure that the resources benefit the people. So to provide some context, for several years now, Hawaii State Water Commission has proactively attempted to um, create what we call water management designation, which is really just a fancy term. It's an additional layer, kind of like zoning, that goes over an area where we know water resources are threatened. And once that happens, there's an additional layer of permitting that's invoked that allows the Water Commission to revisit allocations and how water is actually used and distributed. This is really important because in Hawaii, we have a public trust doctrine, which means that our water resources are managed for present and future generations and cannot be owned by any individual. But the problem is that despite what we call the black letter law, in many ways in Hawaii and for the last century at least, might has made right. And in small towns like Lahaina, um, companies with a lot of influence have been able to maintain control of the water resources, even when there are interests like Native Hawaiian families, like the streams themselves, that have a higher call to right or higher water rights, at least according to the Black Letter Law. So part of the situation in Maui Komohana is that because of this long history of struggle, um, Native Hawaiians and really people across the community came forward, participated in public hearings before our state water commission and loudly called for more proactive water management. And in June 2022, they were successful in achieving this water management area designation for Lahaina. That means additional permit protections were put into place and many folks, Native Hawaiians who have superior rights, but who rights, whose rights have been ignored, were able to come forward and begin a permitting process. Unfortunately, those existing water use permit applications were due on Monday, August 7th, and the fire ravaged Lahaina on Tuesday, August 8th. And then on Wednesday, August 9th, the governor's office issued these emergency proclamations which suspended the water code. So despite 
this huge effort to try and put this additional protection in place, which of course was predictably opposed by industry interests and development interests, but they were unsuccessful. Um, the Water Commission unanimously voted for water management area designation. And yet um, then what they were unable to accomplish legally, they were able to accomplish with the support of the governor and the emergency proclamation. And so it's unfortunate that what we see, then that's why what's happening right now it epitomizes plantation disaster capitalism. Because here we have a handful of incredibly privileged, large landed interests using this terrible tragedy to displace and to push through laws that they were unable to secure um, when Hawaii State Water Code was in place. Finally, Kapua, President Biden is coming to Maui on Monday. What message do you feel he needs to hear? And what do you want to see the federal government do right now? I understand that President Biden is going to be coming um, into Maui very shortly. And I hope what he will see and what he will learn and what he will support is the resilience of the people who are on the ground in Maui right now. Um, the community members like Council Member um, Tamara Paulton, who are doing so much with so little. Um, I hope he will see the resilient spirit of our community members and the tremendous need because we need lots of support um, from the federal government in a whole range of areas. I hope he will also um, see some of the political shenanigans that are taking place and understand that if we really want to protect the things that make Hawaii truly special, we can't just throw out all of the, th all of the laws and other things that help to protect our resources um, when disaster strikes. We as a community need to circle up. We need to come to together and we need to um, lean into each other and really look to and embrace the principles that have innate, like Aloha Aina, that had, have enabled us to thrive here in Hawaii for a millennia. Kapuala Sprout, Professor of Law at Kahuleao Native Hawaiian Law Center. She also co-directs the Native Hawaiian Rights Clinic at the University of Hawaii at Manoa School of Law. We'll link to the Guardian article she co-wrote with Naomi Klein, headlined, Why Was There No Water to Fight the Fire in Maui? Coming up, Teach No Lies. As students return to school in Florida, we'll speak with a historian leading the fight against Florida's new black history curriculum that claims black people benefited from being enslaved. Back in 30 seconds. Covered by Rufus Wainwright, the independent song of Hawaii translates as famous are the flowers. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We turn now to Florida, where Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is losing ground as support for his 2024 presidential bid slips to its lowest level this year before next week's Republican debate. 
Students in Miami returned to school Thursday, one day after a Teach No Lies march to the office of the Miami-Dade County School Board to protest what many call Florida's racist new curriculum standards for teaching black history. The measure is part of a broader push by DeSantis to root out ideas he says are woke. The new curriculum teaches that some black people benefited from being enslaved because they learned useful skills. Protesters Wednesday were joined by some members of the Teamsters National Black Caucus who are holding a conference in Miami and by Tennessee State Representative Justin Pearson, who was recently voted back into office after he was expelled, along with Representative Justin Jones, for protesting Republicans' failure to pass gun control laws after the Covenant School mass shooting in Nashville. This is Pearson. But there were no benefits for people who were enslaved, being raped, having your children stolen from you, being maimed, being denied the right to read. Those were not benefits for our ancestors. The Florida Education Association, a teachers union representing about 150,000 teachers, called the new standards, quote, a disservice to Florida students and are a big step backward for a state that has required teaching African-American history since 1994. For more, we're joined by Marvin Dunn, who helped organize Wednesday's protest, has been leading Teach No Lies tours that take teachers and young people to places like Rosewood, Florida, the site of a 1923 massacre of black residents at the hands of a white mob that murdered at least six black residents, forced the rest of the town to flee. Many eyewitnesses said the true death toll was far higher. The violence began when a white woman falsely accused a black man of assault. By the time the massacre ended, every building in Rosewood would accept one had burned down. No law enforcement agency investigated the massacre. No one was ever charged with crimes. Marvin Dunn is a professor emeritus at Florida International University, author of numerous books, including The History of Florida Through Black Eyes. In the book, he writes, almost all of Florida's painful racial past has been whitewashed, marginalized, or buried intentionally. But I was born here. I know Florida's flowers and her warts, he writes. Professor Dunn is also co-founder of the Miami Center for Racial Justice. Welcome to Democracy Now!, Professor. Uh, You were one of those who led that march this week, um, right before kids go back to school. Um, Talk about the new curriculum that uh, Governor DeSantis, presidential candidate DeSantis, is pushing and that the teachers are forced to teach. Well, first, thank you very much for having me on. It is a disaster. Uh, It cannot be implemented. The state threw out some standards without connecting them to any courses. So teachers in Florida don't know how to implement this law. We are now in a confused, demoralized state of education in Florida. Uh, This man has, I think, done the most damage to education in this state than I can imagine. We're trying to figure out what to do next in order to have teachers not arrested for not implementing these standards. We're trying to get clarification from the Department of Education. They do not respond. So basically, it's just a mess in Florida. You are doing something very unusual. You are taking people to sites of massacres and you are teaching on the ground. Talk about what you're teaching and how these stories are changed. For example, uh, with the um, uh, with the curriculum saying you have to talk about how slavery 
actually benefited the enslaved? Well, we're still trying to figure out how slaves had personal benefits when they were not even considered to be persons. They were property. How could a chair or a cow have, have, have personal benefits? This is what has enraged black America, and a lot of white people as well. The very idea of trying to suggest or having teachers teach that enslaved people had some benefit from being enslaved. Even if the 1% of the enslaved who were freed had some marketable skill, what about the 99% who basically had no skills at all? What about the millions of slaves who died before emancipation? What personal benefit did they receive? What DeSantis is trying to do with this issue and others is to equiv equivocate evil. Uh, everybody was doing slavery. Every country had slavery. Slavery was in Africa. It was in China. It was in Asia. Teachers are required to teach that as a part of the Black History course. Why? Why does he want teachers to teach that slavery in these other places? Because the argument is America was just another country that had slavery, no different from anybody else. But America was different. America was the only country that had slavery in which the enslaved were not people, but property. That was a unique American contribution to, to, to slavery. So we're trying to, to correct these lies. We're trying to make sure that teachers are, are not teaching these lies. Uh, but it is an uphill struggle here in Florida. Professor Dunn, on Sunday, you posted a photo on social media of yourself posing with your fist in the air in front of your Rosewood neighbor's Confederate flag. You wrote, quote, in Rosewood today in front of my neighbor's property, he just got convicted of six counts of hate crimes from when he tried to kill me and a group that was visiting my property. He was mad because we parked on his side of the road. I was standing on his side of the road today, you wrote. Can you describe this attack, what happened to you, your son and others? Certainly. Uh, I'm the only person, a black person, who owns land in Rosewood today. All of the black people left. Rosewood is now a bedroom community, uh, very wealthy people, five-acre uh, estates out there. And I purchased five acres of land, pristine land, not touched since the 1923 uh, event. And uh, with the arrival of the 100th uh, recognition of the event, uh, I went to my property to uh, meet with some white people, some contractors to talk about clearing the property so that we could have an event on, on the on the site. This was the, the, in September. Uh, as we were leaving, and I had two white gentlemen that we met with up there to talk about what they would do to help us with this. And as we were leaving, my neighbor across the street, I, I've owned this property since 2008, never spoke to him nor him to me. So he rolls up to me in his truck, big white truck with the big wheels and what have you, lets the window down and Asked me, what's going on out here? So I said, well, sir, this is my property, and, we're, and that's as far as I got. He said, well, if that's your property, why don't you park on your side of the road? I said, well, this is a county road. We'll park wherever we wish. Threw him into a rage. He guns the, his vehicle, spins around, almost hits people, and it starts yelling racial epithets. I won't repeat what he said, but the N-word was used again and again. He says to one of the white men who was with us, you're just as bad as the uh, N-word plural, and stared off onto his property. And a few minutes later, he comes out at full speed and almost kills us 
uh, as, as we were trying to get out of his way. So they called the police. The Lever County police came out and they arrested him a few days later and charged him with using his truck as a, as a, as a weapon. Uh, when I got back to Miami, back home, I don't live up there, I live in Miami, I called the FBI and reported this as a hate crime. And I must say, even though you hear a lot of attacks on the Department of Justice and, and what have you, they were on the job. Uh, the FBI investigated this case. This man was tried uh, a week or so ago in, Gaines, in Gainesville, Florida, by a jury of 11 people, no blacks. And he was found guilty of six counts of hate crime. And he's he's facing uh, 10 years on each count. And then Wednesday, uh, yesterday, he was tried in Levy County on the state charge. I'm not sure what the result of that was. So this gentleman is facing a lot of time in prison for what happened that day. You want to build a peace house in Rosewood, an educational hub for students to learn about Florida's history of racial violence? Uh, are you still going to do that? And is he out free until he's sentenced? He is free. He is out. Uh, uh, we were just up at my property this past weekend with 30 teachers from Dade County. We hired a Florida Highway Patrolman to sit there for the time that we were there on the property. And we have to do that now to assure that, there's, that, there, that we're not having a problem with this man. Um, but uh, we will be using uh, that five-acre uh, uh, site to uh, make a park that commemorates the history of Rosewood. And we're going to rebuild the old railroad depot and use it as a peace house where people can come to Rosewood, walk that bloody ground, experience the sense of ancestors, talk about peace, bring our country together uh, in this place where a very, very terrible thing happened. I don't believe that America is as, is as racially divided as DeSantis and the mega Republicans would have us to believe. I don't think most Americans want the government to be telling teachers what to teach at universities. I don't think the government, I don't think most Americans, white, black, Republican, or Democrat, want to see the intrusion of government into private life, personal life, and, and education as we now see it happening. So that's why we're going to build that house, that railroad depot, and make it into a, a place of peace so that we can really bring our country together. The folks who want to come and sit and talk and work out problems, that's what we intend to do there. Professor Dunn, Florida Governor DeSantis has conducted a conservative takeover of the progressive new college. Um, many professors have left. You are going to be teaching a black history class there this fall. Can you talk about what you will be teaching and how that fits into or don't you care um, about the Stop Woke Act? Uh, we're going to be teaching institutional racism in Florida. We're going to be teaching the, the very black history that DeSantis does not wish us to teach. We're going to take uh, new college students on the same tours that I'm taking high school students. We even have plans to bring them to New York. Uh, our nonprofit called the Miami Center for Racial Justice is raising money to support new college and to support these tours that we're doing. DeSantis says new college is where uh, woke goes to die. Now, mind you, this is a very small college. It's 700 students. I think many, many of them have left now. But this is the place that DeSantis chose to, 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 to um, fight woke. And what we're finding is that he's killing that college. People are leaving. Uh, I've committed uh, to teach there for free. And I will do so with or without the permission of the president. And I will do it if I have to do it on the, on the parking lots. 
Can you tell us what happened in Ocoee, one of the places that you bring students, teachers, professors to? Thank you for asking that question. Because Ocoee is one of the two places that these new state standards require teachers to teach what happened there. And they're requiring teachers to teach a lie. They're requiring teachers to teach that there was black violence against whites in Ocoee and in Rosewood. Let me tell you what happened in Ocoee. 1920, a black man tried to vote. July Perry was his name. He was turned away from the polls, a mob formed a couple steps in between that, and they come to his house to confront him. They surround July Perry's house and they start shooting into it. And they kill two of their number. Two of the mob are killed by friendly fire. That's the official report from the Orange County Sheriff. And yet the historical blame is on July Perry that he killed these two men that there was equal violence in Ocoee uh, about whites and blacks. 300 black people were killed in Ocoee. I took those teachers last Saturday to the spot where they're buried, this mass grave, and we stood and prayed and sang and told the truth about what happened in Ocoee. That's just one of the lies that is being required uh, uh, to be taught in Florida right now. The other one is about Rosewood, as a matter of fact. In that instance, you had a man in his mom's house with his family protecting them. The mob comes to the house. His mother goes to the window and tries to convince them to go away. They shoot and kill her dead. His mom falls dead in front of him. And then two men, two white men, come up onto his front porch and he killed them dead, shot him dead. And that's black on white racial violence. This is the kind of thing that we're fighting in Florida, where DeSantis, DeSantis is trying to make it appear that there was evil on both sides. Same thing as Charlottesville, evil on both sides. And we're trying to fight that in Florida. You're also one of eight plaintiffs in a lawsuit over DeSantis's law called the Stop Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act, which also applies to public university professors. Can you explain that? Yes. Uh, DeSantis wants to shut down discussion in Florida universities about race. Uh, he is saying to us that we cannot use certain terms like institutional racism. Well, I teach a course on black Florida history and on black Miami history. Miami and Florida were both bathed in racism as they were born, as they came to be. There was not one single institution in the history of the city of Miami, for example, that was not racist. Business, police, education, entertainment, the church, everything was based on race. But we're not allowed to say that, much less speak about racial violence, because some white people think that their kids might be, might feel uncomfortable if we talk about those things. What about black kids who may feel uncomfortable when we're talking about things that might uh, uh, offend them? So what we're seeing is a very, very confused uh, 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 attack. But the ultimate, ultimate aim is very clear. Suppress education that, that deals with racial history, suppress discussions, particularly of, uh, of institutional racism, and keep our educational system based upon basically essentially Christian nationalist principles and beliefs. Can I ask, we just have 30 seconds. You're wearing a t-shirt that says, teach the truth. Um, who ignited that flame that burns in you, Professor Dunn? My mom, my mother long gone now, uh, who taught us by four brothers and me that you tell the truth, you teach the truth, you don't promote, promote lies, you're an honest person, and we expect you to go up you're an honest person. I got that from my mom and my dad as well. 
Marvin Dunn, we thank you so much for being with us, Professor Emeritus at Florida International University, author of numerous books, including The History of Florida Through Black Eyes, co-founder of the Miami Center for Racial Justice, joining us from Palmetto Bay, Miami. Next up, we look at a shocking new Washington Post expose revealing the Smithsonian has a racial brain collection gathered in part by a racist anthropologist. Back in 30 seconds. When seasons change and we begin surpass September. A lot of scars that kind of scare you to remember. Scarf your times and seeing people trying to put you down. For goodness sakes, people trying to take what you know you When seasons change, Curtis Mayfield here on Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We end today's show looking at a major investigation by the Washington Post that revealed the Smithsonian Institution holds a so-called racial brain collection that contains 255 brains gathered in the first half of the 20th century. Much of it was collected at the behest of a racist anthropologist who was trying to scientifically prove the superiority of white people. An investigation by the Washington Post found most of the brains in the Smithsonian collection were removed from dead black and indigenous people and other people of color, often taken without consent from their families. In a moment, we'll be joined by the two reporters behind this investigation, Nicole Dunka and Claire Healy. But we begin with an excerpt of a video produced by the Washington Post. In a cemetery in St. Louis, at least six Filipinos are buried. They died at the 1904 World's Fair. Jana and Anuevo Langholz started searching for their graves in 2021 after reading about them in archival newspapers. Well, I think they deserve to be remembered. This whole investigation began in February 2022 when I came across Jana's Instagram and I was going to write about her work to find the places that these people were buried. And then she shared a record with me that said four of those people had their brains removed and taken to the Smithsonian. Once I heard about the Filipino aspect of this story, I got really interested in working with Claire on this. Langholz's discovery would inspire a year-long investigation into the Smithsonian's collections of human remains. I had already been researching Filipinos that were part of this exhibit, like put on exhibition, who had died at the 1904 World's Fair. And I came across a catalog online from the Smithsonian. They had listings of things that they had acquired from St. Louis, either during or after the fair. 
And then I asked the Smithsonian, how many brains do you have and why? And they sent me a spreadsheet of all the brains that they have with locality and what's called an accession number. I went to the Smithsonian Institution Archives and took each of these numbers and got the original accession cards. So these are the cards that are filed away every time a new body part was entered into a collection at the Smithsonian. And we built up a database of those. There were children in the collection. There were men and women and then fetuses. Many of them were indigenous people, other people of color. And many of them didn't have their identities actually recorded, partly because they were looked at as specimens. The Smithsonian currently has 255 human brains in a storage facility in Maryland. Records suggest only four of those brains were collected with consent. That was a video report by the Washington Post to accompany its major new investigation revealing the Smithsonian's racial brain collection. While the Post was reporting on the story, the Smithsonian formed a task force to develop a policy to address the future of human remains held within its museum's collections. The Smithsonian Secretary Lonnie Bunch said, quote, at the Smithsonian, we recognize certain collection practices of our past were unethical. What was once standard in the museum field is no longer acceptable. We acknowledge and apologize for the pain our historical practices have caused people, their families, and their communities. Lonnie Bunch is also the former head of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. Joining us now are the Washington Post's Claire Healy and Nicole Dunka, who is also the president of the Asian American Journalists Association. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Claire, why don't you lay out the scope of this project and take it from where um, you were both speaking in this video report? Sure, and thank you for having us. Um, I mean, to start, we started looking at the brain collection, which, as you said, has 255 brains. And that's just what they have today. Like, we found evidence that they had 268 overall, and some were cremated and four were repatriated. But that's just a fraction of what they actually have in human remains total. They have 30,700 sets of human remains. And to give you a sense of what that means, each of those numbers is a set of human remains, not an individual. And so the number of people who are in this collection is actually higher than that 30,000. So talk- And the 30,000 comes from 80 countries, at least around the world. All right, name the anthropologist, talk about his motivations and where he went all over the world to gather these skulls, overwhelmingly uh, not given by families, uh, not given with consent. Sure, Alice Herdlichka was the head curator of the Division of Physical Anthropology at the Smithsonian. And when he started at the Smithsonian in 1903, he set out creating a massive network that would collect these remains on his behalf. And so he would send people to South Africa, to the Philippines to gather remains for him and send them back to the Smithsonian. And he believed in white superiority. And so when he was collecting these remains, he wanted to research race and the physical differences that he saw between races. But he was also looking into human origins and the origins of people in the Americas. And so 15,000 of these remains are estimated to be Native American. Um, and he was looking at the origins of people in the Americas, but 
also all of his studies would come consistently back to looking at race. And you talk about how um, he's not even referring to his own research as he tries to um, lay out uh, the basis of his theory of white superiority. He was just spouting the standard eugenics line at the time. Yes. So we couldn't find actual studies he did on these brains. A lot of the um, studies he put out were on the brain specifically. He did a study on brain preservatives, but he didn't put out anything on comparing race in the way that he said he wanted to. But he would still answer letters. He would still tell newspapers that you know white brains show some superiority to black brains, but he wouldn't reference any studies he did. And as far as we can tell, he didn't do those studies. I want to bring Nicole Duncan into this conversation, the reporter on this incredible series, uh, on this incredible investigation. You are also president of the Asian American Journalists Association, um, and you're a Filipina American. Talk about the Filipino brains uh, in this collection and how you got involved with this story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, as we said in that video, you know, when I heard about the Filipinos involved in this collection, I immediately knew that we needed to make this a big story. Um, and that's because so much of the history between the Philippines and the US, many people don't know. So actually, four of these brains had actually come from Filipinos who had been brought to the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. And there, there had been what was essentially a human zoo, a living museum exhibit where people would flock to St. Louis and see how indigenous Filipinos and other Filipinos were living. They lived in mock villages um, and they would do their daily chores and they and people would say these people were primitive or that they were savages. Um, and bear officials actually pressured uh, the Igorot people, that is a term that broadly talks about uh, indigenous Filipinos who live in the Cordillera uh, region of Luzon. Uh, they would pressure these indigenous Filipinos to eat dogs, even though that um, happened very rarely back home. And so that exacerbated a stereotype uh, that lingers to this day. And so what we actually found is that some of these Filipinos died while they were at the fair or on the way here from the Philippines. And what Alice Herdlichka knew was that he could go there and actually take some of their brains. And so what we found is that Herdlichka went to St. Louis in 1904 and he autopsied two Filipinos and two other Filipinos had their brains sent to him later. But one of them was likely a woman named Maura. And we created an illustrated narrative about her life and her death with illustrations from a Filipino based or Philippine based artist named Ren Galeno, uh, because we wanted to really show that fair from the perspective of the Filipinos. We dug deep into newspaper archives and we saw, you know, many articles where they were referring to them as savages. They were talking about their customs as if they were very strange. And we really wanted to create something that would show the perspectives of the Filipinos because so many of those perspectives had gotten lost. And just to be clear, the U.S. had occupied the Philippines from 1898 for what, the next half century until 1946. Yes, and so I think actually the previous segments really talked about 
um, being able to teach people the history, uh, some of the dark chapters of the U.S. history. And a lot of people don't know that the Philippines was a territory uh, and that this was something that really affected how people saw Filipinos. And um, actually, William Howard Taft was using the fair basically to show that the U.S. was good for the Philippines. And that was partly why they were bringing these indigenous Filipinos. They were saying, look how we can help them. Look how they are primitive. Can you tell us, Nicole, um, uh, Claire, about Mary Sarah, uh, her family, Sami, uh, from indigenous to areas that include northern Scandinavia? Yes, so Mary Sarah was an 18-year-old Sami woman from Alaska, and she died in Seattle in 1933 of tuberculosis. She had gone to Seattle with her mother for her mother to get cataract surgery, and the doctor who was doing the cataract surgery on her mother then took her brain and sent it to the Smithsonian. And so he sent, on the day that she died, he sent a telegram to Alice Herdlichka saying, if you want a Sami brain, I can get one for you today. And so when we reached out to her first cousin in Alaska, she had no idea that this had happened. And so let's talk about what's going to happen now. Um, I just read a quote from the head of the Smithsonian. Uh, He, uh, Lonnie Bunch, was the founding director of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture and then became the head of the whole Smithsonian. He's saying this is unethical. Talk about um, how the Smithsonian has responded over this year and what they have set up. So as you noted, he did apologize for how these remains were collected in the past. And he has put together a task force that has already met three times to try to look at these human remains and how to return them and how to move forward. He said that he's gonna look to the task force to decide that best way of moving forward, whether that's contacting individual families or as he suggested, doing some sort of mass grave is what he said in Arlington Cemetery. And so he's gonna look at what the task force wants him to do. And the Smithsonian has also reached out to the embassy of the Philippines to repatriate the Filipino remains um, months after we started reporting. And so conversations are underway to look into repatriating those remains. Nicole Dunka, where are the remains being held now? Are medical professionals able to access this? Um, And also the fact that this is global. We're not just talking about skulls and brains from the United States and what this means, how the international community has responded. They're being held right now in the museum support support center of the Smithsonian Institution, and that's in Suitland, Maryland. Um, And actually, at the beginning of the year, Lonnie Bunch III, the secretary of the Smithsonian, restricted access to human remains. But what we do know is that there is the ability to be researching some of these remains if two top Smithsonian officials sign off on this. Um, There are still anthropologists who would be able to access this, uh, but they are creating policies that that will be able to say, this is what you can do in terms of collecting human remains. It has to be consensual, or this is the kind of research that you will be able to do. And Claire Healy, can you talk about the significance of the largest group, um, black people, the skulls and fetuses of black people, how they were classified, which makes it more difficult to repatriate them? 
Right. So the only law in place um, that the Smithsonian is under is the NMAI Act. And this requires the Smithsonian to send out inventories of its Native American remains to federally recognized tribes. And so that doesn't cover other um, populations and demographics within this collection. And it doesn't cover black Americans. And so a lot of the Black Americans whose remains are in this collection, their families would have no idea. And the Smithsonian isn't obligated to reach out to any of them or to even release publicly an inventory. And so we don't really have a sense of um, how they're going to move forward in informing families and um, looking into how to address those remains. But we also know that Black Americans was a population that Herlichka specifically targeted. Um, he talks about that in his writings and in his manual in 1904 that he puts out in looking for human remains. And so, as we know in the article, the largest racial group in the United States that was ta- that had brains taken was Black Americans, and it's unclear what the Smithsonian will do about that. Well, we'll continue to follow the story, as I'm sure both of you will. Claire Healy and Nicole Dunka of the Washington Post. We will link to your remarkable investigative series revealing the Smithsonian's racial brain collection. That does it for our show, Democracy Now! Produced with Mike Burke, Renee Feltz, Dina Guzder, Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Shafe, Maria Tarasena, Tammy Warnock, Trina Nadura, Sam Alcoff, Tamari Astudio, John Hamilton, Ravi Karen, Hani Masood, Sanji Lopez. Our executive director is Julie Crosby. Special thanks to Becca Staley, John Randolph, Paul Powell, Mike DeFilippo, Miguel Nagara, Hugh Grant, Dennis Moynihan. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. We're going to jump real quick. This is going to go a little past the usual time. We had a bit of a glitch earlier. Please stay with us. And uh, this is, yes, it's called the Arcturian Healing Chamber Hmm. Transmission. Clearing negative alien interference and manipulation. This is by our friend Steve Nobel. The Arcturians are an advanced positive alien race that are helping humanity at this time of global ascension. They teach that the key ingredient to make the shift into 5D is love. Mm -hmm. All lower frequencies such as fear, guilt, shame, blame, must be released and transformed. The Arcturians are present in our solar system to help to help to help us make an important shift in consciousness. The Arcturians travel the universe in very advanced light ships. The Arcturian light ship Athena is part of an armada of ships that are keeping a friendly eye on Earth to assist Gaia with her ascension process. This ship is truly huge in size and is orbiting between the asteroid belt and Jupiter. The ship is equipped with light technology and holds many specialized healers. Many star seeds on the earth are brought to Athena in the dream state for healing. 
Arcturians are particularly helpful at this time, assisting humanity to clear out negative alien races who seek to manipulate and use humanity. Lower alien races have long sought to generate war and other situations that generate lower frequencies, such as fear, within the human race. Such races feed off of negativity and many starseeds are unaware that they have energetic interference from such races. Many have implants in their energy fields. Arcturians are experts at clearing such energetic interference. The Arcturians are the most helpful in clearing lower densities and also in helping us to to activate and shift our vibration from dense 3D into higher states of light and love. Music by Michael Hammer. Oh, I haven't heard from Mm. him for a while. So, Rama, you found it, have you? Mm. Yes? Yes. All right, let's do this. This is 44 minutes. Here we go. comfortable for this transmission. The Octurian Healing Chamber, clearing negative alien race agendas and interferences. The Octurians are an advanced, positively orientated alien race helping humanity at this time of global ascension. The Octurians travel the universe in very advanced light ships. And in this transmission, we go to one particular ship, the light ship Athena, which is part of an armada of ships keeping a friendly eye on Earth at this time of ascension. This ship is truly huge and is currently orbiting somewhere between the asteroid belt and Jupiter. This ship is equipped with light technology and holds many specialized healers, including the Arcturian medical assistance team that we will call upon in this transmission. The Arcturians are particularly helpful at this time in assisting humanity clear out any negative alien races 
their agendas, interferences, manipulation. They're very good at clearing out any energetic cords, implants, karmic connections with lower races. The Octurian Medical Assistance Team also helps us shed old layers of density, repairs our etheric body, makes repairs at the cellular level of the physical body, helps to upgrade our nervous system to accommodate more light, and activates layers of our light body. So if you get comfortable, we begin, we begin. By opening and softening and breathing light into the body, light from 360 degrees in the universe around, light into the body of bone and blood. And on the out breath, imagine you could just release any energy back to the universe, an energy back that no longer serves you, that can be released easily at this time. Imagine you could breathe light into your body from the sun, from the sun, the stargate of the sun, into the body, light from the sun, into the cells, into the DNA, into the organs of the body, light from the sun. And the light from the sun contains many light codes. These light codes are information about the shift, the global shift, and also about our own personal journey from darkness to light, from separation to love. And as you call the energy of the sun, I call the Archangel Metatron. I call Archangel Metatron. down the Christ grid from the stargate of the sun into the room golden white fire grid descending now towards the top of the head and allow this golden white fire to infuse your body and anchor into the heart light from the central sun through the stargate of our physical sun. And as this is happening in your energy field, I call to Archangel Sandalphon 
of the crystalline grid of the earth. Archangel Sandophon to bring up the silver white fire from this grid of the earth, this 5D ascending light from Gaia self up through your feet this light coming up into the room you can absorb in the body and around the body silver white fire into the energy field bones blood cells DNA organs absorbing this light that anchors into the heart just feel your connection to heaven and earth light from the sun light from the earth this is happening in your energy field I call to the east the place of the rising sun Archangel Raphael healer magician come be with us now Mm. and this angel carries her emerald green fire that begins to support your energy field and support the journey you're going to make in this transmission emerald green fire holding, supporting helping to realign your energy field clear, cleanse, realign this is happening I call to the south Archangel Michael protector guardian south place of the midday sun the risen sun come be with us and Michael holds the electric blue fire that begins to support and hold you in this transmission. Electric blue fire, hold and support, clear and cleanse. Welcome. And as this is happening, I call to the west, the place of the descending sun, Archangel Gabriel, Gabriel, the messenger angel, 
holder of the diamond white fire. Come be with us and feel this fire. Infuse your energy fields. As this is happening, I call to the North, North Archangel Uriel, place of the midnight sun, Uriel of Earth, who holds the ruby red ray of awakening. Feel this ray now, supporting your journey in this transmission. Fusing your energy fields, gently awakening what can be awoken. Welcome. And as this is happening, I call your higher self, call your higher self. Higher self, the bridge between this dimension and many other dimensions of light. Higher self, I call all guides, all other angels supporting your earth walk. Come be with us. And I call upon the Arcturian High Council for help and assistance in this journey, in this transmission. Ra? Oh, it's okay. okay. And just feel your energy field expanding into light, as if you're becoming a great sun of light. Notice your energy field expanding. The angels opening your energy field, expanding, intensifying the light in your energy field. Feel the shift now. This great light and your energy field becomes a temple of light. A temple of light. Standing in a temple of light. I just notice if this temple is ancient or modern or futuristic. Allowing the walls to take shape. The floor beneath your feet. Ceiling above your head and any furnishings in this great temple of light. And this temple is being held by the angelic forces, held and sustained. Above, below and all around you. And by the grids of the sun and the earth. 
into this temple I call a sphere of light, held by Arcturian masters of light. A sphere of light, held and created by Arcturian masters of light. See that sphere now. Step into the light. Step into the light. Feel the light hold you, surround you, envelop you, nurturing your energy field, uplifting, shifting. And as you stand in this sphere of light, notice the light shimmer as the Octarian masters teleport you now to the starship Athena. chamber in the starship Athena. medical assistance team and this team will guide this sphere of light into position into the healing chamber of light this pod is placed in position in the healing chamber 
the light of the pod, the sphere around you, begins to turn sapphire blue and diamond white. Sapphire blue and diamond white. your energy field is open, expanded. And the first task of the Arcturian Medical Assistance Team is in just shifting your energy field, opening with color and sound, preparing you for the healing. Color and sound. Feel the shift now. medical assistance team to begin removing implants etheric implants that block your spiritual awakening implants that siphon off energy implants that tag you on the astral plane remove all foreign energies from your body that should not be there that block your light in this lifetime block you knowing your own soul's light, your own soul's mission. Remove now from all the chakra system. third eye and crown particularly throat third eye and crown removing etheric implants in the neck and head particularly also scanning the whole body pulling out what should not be there As the sapphire blue light passes through you, extracting what should be extracted, removing what should be removed.
pulling out anything in the nervous system. Nervous system, pulling out anything foreign, blocking in the nervous system, pulling it out, removing it in the sapphire blue and diamond white light. And as this is happening, upon the Arcturian medical assistance team to begin to remove any dead light zones from your energy field. And dead light zones are interferences that block you from connecting with higher frequencies. Deadlight zones have been placed by negative alien races to interfere with our connection with beings such as Archangel Michael or Archangel Metatron. Ask for a clearing of these deadlight zones so that we can truly connect more powerfully with these angelic forces. Deadlight zones have also been placed in some energy healing modalities, blocking our ability to fully heal ourselves and others. I ask for a removal of these deadlight zones now and breathe. Feel the light surround you holding you, nurturing you, cleansing you, clearing you. Sapphire blue and diamond white. As the Arcturian medical assistance team heal you with sound and color. And feel the shift. this is happening, I call upon the Arcturian medical assistance team to dissolve any negative alien manipulation agendas, cords in your energy field. Any cords particularly attached to your nervous system, your hormonal system or your chakra system, dissolve and clear. And just feel this sapphire blue, white light holding, nurturing, clearing and cleansing, dissolving moving through all layers of your energy field and feel the shift. 
medical assistance team to clear any spiritual parasites in your energy fields eggs parasites clear cleanse remove and feel the light move through you feel the sound move through you clearing and cleansing at the cellular level etheric level emotional mental and spiritual levels this is happening I call upon the Arcturian medical assistance team to help you shed old layers of density in your energy bodies now sapphire blue and diamond white healing ripples through all layers of your energy field clearing and cleansing uplifting and aligning is happening, I call upon the Arcturian medical assistance team to repair your etheric body, make repairs at the cellular level that need to be done now, and just open and soften and breathe, and allow the light to move through you, allow the sound to move through you. 
as this is happening, I call upon the Octurian Medical Assistance Team to upgrade your nervous system to accommodate more light. To upgrade your nervous system to accommodate more light. And feel the light move through you. Feel the sound move through you. Lifting and shifting, upgrading and opening and expanding your energy bodies. As this is happening, I call upon the Arcturian Medical Assistance Team to begin to activate layers of your light body that can be activated now. Open, soften, breathe, allowing the sound to flow through you. allowing the light to flow through you. Here in the Arcturian healing chamber, feel your connection with these energies. Feel your connection with these beings of light around you. Many starseeds have very strong connections to Arcturus. Some of you will want to come back time and time again to this healing chamber. masters and healers to complete their work with you complete the work of activation upgrading your nervous system repairing your etheric body making repairs at the cellular level helping you shed old layers of density dissolving negative alien manipulation or interference pulling out any implants, foreign energies that shouldn't be in your energy field, 
and clearing out dead light zones. just allowing the Arcturian healers and masters of light to make final shifts and adjustments in your energy field releasing what needs to be released connecting what needs to be connected upgrading what needs to be upgraded shifting what needs to be shifted sapphire blue light now in the healing pod to fade, fade back to diamond white feeling once again Arcturian masses of light shifting the pod of light the sphere of light around you shifting it back through time and space back through time and space shift as the pod of light is returned to the temple of light this temple of light is held by the angelic forces around you and the grids of light from the earth and the sun and when you're ready step out from this pod of light into your temple spend a moment in the temple readjusting your energy field to the earth plane feeling lighter clearer more open more expanded feel the energy shifts still rippling through you Noticing the walls of the temple begin to shimmer and ripple as you begin to come back to your energy field, your light body on the earth plane.
assistance of the angels around you, Metatron of the Christ grid, Sandophon of the Earth grid, Uriel of the North, Gabriel of the West, Michael of the South, Raphael of the East, thanking your higher self, all guides and angels that have been with you on this transmission. Taking your time now, just coming back to your body with your breath, feeling the shift of light within you now. Love and blessings. Love and blessings, everyone. Let's take this into the dream time tonight. And we'll continue this this afternoon. Love and blessings. Indeed. Satnam. Satnam D. 13 thank yous. Honey in the heart, no evil. Live long and prosper. May peace prevail on earth. Thank you, thank you. Namaste, everyone. Namaste.